Dionisio at the plate, he's over to today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's. Oh, it's raining now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the show where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And I'm Jack Swakowski. This is episode number 109. It's March uh, 2021. Uh, Spring training is underway. And Jack, who is your 2009 MLB debut? My debut for 2009 is Matt Laporta. Jeremy, do you remember remember Matt Laporta? Yeah, definitely. So uh, Matt Laporta was the top prospect in the Brewers organization in 2008 when he was traded to the Cleveland Indians, uh, along with the player to be named later, Michael Brantley, for uh, CeCe Sabathia. So Laporta was actually a very big prospect at the time. He was the first-round draft pick. He was drafted seventh overall uh, in 2007 out of the University of Florida. So he was a he was a, a big guy. He was a first baseman. Um, he was kind of a, an and left fielder. He was expected to be... They, the Brewers had Prince Fielder at first, but I think they were expecting Laporta to play left. Just be a really big bat in their lineup. He was drafted seventh overall. He was a college hitter, so he projected to make it to the majors pretty quick, which he did. I mean, he debuted in 2009. But the guy was just a complete bust with the Cleveland Indians. Just a total bust. I remember uh, at the time the Brewers traded Sabathia to the Indians the, uh, there was a columnist for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and he said, um, you know, Sabathia's tr- uh, the, the sacrifice of Matt Laporta was justified uh, by the Brewers making the playoffs uh, after they got Sabathia. Uh, it, it, it wasn't much of a sacrifice, Jeremy, at all. It turned out it was no. not much of a sacrifice. Um, you know, hey, it was just a, a couple-month rental for the Brewers, so it's not like the Indians got burned too bad on that one. You know, it's not one of the— uh, it's not like the James Shields for Fernando Tatis trade. Like, it's not that bad. But, yeah, Laporta, just a total bust. Really high draft pick. Um, uh, played parts of four seasons in the big leagues. Had a career 238 batting average. Hit 31 home runs for his career. Uh, just never did Just never did shit, basically. He was just a—he uh, hung around one more year in the minors in 2013. His last year in the biggest was 2012. And then he was gone. He disappeared forever. Yeah, no, I remember for sure. I, like, you know— uh, you know, we're getting into prime territory here of, well, we've been in prime territory for a while for like my fantasy, like keeper league and sure. stuff. And, you know, so you're always eyeing, I'm always eyeing prospects. That's kind of how I've become like the, the prospect whisperer, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, and like, certainly Matt Laporta was like on that list when he got called up. I think I, I brought him, I like signed him that day and I was like, oh man, I got Matt Laporta. This is going to be great. <laughs> and like, yeah, just, I mean, no average, um, uh, you know, he didn't really strike out like a, an egregious amount of times. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, not that bad. Uh, it's just the, the average just wasn't there and the power, like, yeah, 12 homers was the most he ever hit. Like it just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't, uh, MLB worthy, like long-term and certainly didn't live up to his hype. No. Uh, well, Jeremy, uh, so that was my guy, a bit obscure, but I am glad you remember him. Like you said, that, that's what we'll start calling you, the, the prospect whisperer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who did uh, who did you have for 2009? Well, my, I might be more obscure than you, Jack. Uh, my guy is Kyle Blanks. Ooh, Kyle Blanks. Yeah, I remember. I remember him on the Oakland A's. Is that who he started yeah. with? He started with the Padres. 
okay, he started with the Padres. Was he he was a first baseman left fielder? I'm looking him up right now. He's like first baseman corner outfielder type of guy. I have that he, right. Yeah, exactly. I I think okay. I mean I wonder even how many how many games he played in the outfield. Like so the thing about Kyle Blanks, he was he's six six two sixty five. I mean the guy like like the guy could have been. I mean I don't even know if like you know, tight end, I guess in football, but like he, he's even too big to be like a, maybe he could have been like a, a pass rusher, like an edge rusher or something yeah. in football, yeah. but like, he's too big to be cornerback or anything like that. Like, or, and he's too heavy to be a wide receiver. Like he's just a freak. And, um, I saw him man. And I was just like, and, and, uh, former guest Ben Perkins, uh, was also a big fan of this guy. And, with fantasy implications, we were just like, oh, my God, this guy is going to be a beast. And um, I don't know exactly what he did in the minors. Like, I don't know if people were, like, clamoring about him in the minors that much. But, like, yeah, we saw him, and we were just like, Jesus, this guy. Um, and he did okay his first year. He hit in 54 games in 2009 with the Padres. He uh, he hit 10 homers um, in 148 at-bats, uh, hit 250, like, you know, not great, but – but he was a rookie and um I think I think it was just a combination of injuries and then just like never really you know performing when he was when he was out there but um he was only on the A's for 21 games in 2014 yeah um, the reason I remember but, that Jeremy uh, is, that, is don't you have the yeah so we have the uh, the 2014 Strato? 2014 stratomatic baseball season my dad and I played the whole season okay, Kyle Blanks yeah. had a good card uh for that year um I'm trying to look at his uh statistics here for oh yeah so he um uh, his numbers were kind of like sick, like you know, two home well, two home runs and fifty five at bats and a three oh nine average. That translates to a better strato card than you might think. Um, you know, uh -huh. he didn't play a whole lot because we don't like to play the guys with the minimal amount of at bats. But that's definitely why I remembered him. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't actually know he was that big of a guy. Uh, he he almost seems like yeah. Aaron, like an Aaron Judge type of dude. I'm looking at his yeah. minor league numbers here. Yeah, he, the two years before he got called up, he had uh, 20 plus home runs and 100 plus RBIs both years, and he had a 300 plus batting average in those two minor league seasons. So the guys kind of seemed like he projected as like a, a, you know, like you said, a really big power hitter. Um, you know, yeah, as far as football is concerned, 6'6", 265, yeah, almost like too big for a tight end, maybe a defensive end. Kind of like, uh, it's like Dr. Hibbert says in that Simpsons uh, Halloween episode, he was he was too, uh, too crazy for normal town and too normal for crazy town. You know, um, so he, uh, yeah, he, you know, uh, a guy that big, it's unusual for him to be playing baseball, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's like, uh, he, he's like, uh, Aaron judge only, a only a bust maybe. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I, I would bet he even, ha I think he probably has like 20 pounds on Aaron judge too. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, and they say, they say about, you know, like the, the PCL like is like, you know, good for, um, hitters numbers like all the ballparks there are are small I, I believe and so hitters in the pcl put up good you know better numbers than than the independent league and uh um or, or the international league i can't whatever the whatever like the midwest version of of the of triple a is but um but yeah so like uh yeah i mean i i don't know i just i think um he just seemed like a beast and I was like, this guy is going to be something and just, just, yeah, just could <laughs> never, could never put it together. And, um, yeah, he like wore number 88. Like he was just, he was just a freak, like just a big dude. Like I, it, it was a, it was a head scratcher and it was really just like, when is this guy going to finally break out? And the answer was never. So.
Well, Jeremy, it's funny. Uh, before the podcast, you said, "Oh, I hope we don't. We I hope we didn't pick the same guy." Well, I picked a guy who had a career two thirty eight average with thirty one homers. You picked uh-huh. a guy who had a career two forty one average with thirty three homers. So we didn't pick the same guy, but we kind of did. Uh, so that's uh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So sure. I, I don't know what it was what it was about this episode, but we both picked a couple of busts. I love it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, I I would have loved to talk about uh, Tyler Colvin and how he got stabbed in the in the chest with a broken bat, but uh, I feel I feel like I've been talking about too many like obscure Cubs, and so I wanted to go, you know, obscure other for this one. <laughs> right. Well, Jeremy, you got a chance. Uh, you texted me. Uh, you got a chance to watch uh, a college game, a Vandy game. And it seems like you've also been watching uh, uh, the Cubs games as well. Um, the one th- one question I have for you about uh, the Cubs spring training is: Do they have uh, Boog and JD in the bu- in the booth for those games? I haven't gotten a chance to check one out yet. Yeah, for sure. So like, um, so yeah, uh, Jack. The um, this this weekend, uh, you know, I kind of, I mean, college college baseball started like like the weekend before this past weekend, but um, I just wasn't on. I just wasn't in the right headspace to be like, oh, I could be watch or like I, it just didn't occur to me. I'm like, oh, I could be watching these games. So, um, I did end up, uh, I ended up subscribing to ESPN Plus, uh, which is like their their insight. You get their insider access, but then you also get access to like their streaming channels. And some of the streaming channels that they have are like uh, ACC Plus Network and SEC Plus. And so they're streaming. You you that's the only place where you can catch the baseball games. And so there's just infinity baseball games to be watched uh so i spent most of my weekend doing that um but um monday i believe was uh no it's tuesday i think because monday was the first game but it wasn't televised so tuesday um was the first cubs game on marquee and yeah uh boo shambi and jd called it uh they were together in the ballpark um calling the game and then uh yesterday they were on espn and um uh uh, Jason Benetti and Jessica Mendoza called it, um, and they uh, they brought in Shambi for like an inning or some or so, uh, and we're talking to him. Um, and they were actually they're actually on right now, I believe, on MLB Network. So um, there's been a lot of Cubs games to Cubs baseball to catch early on here in spring training, which has been pretty awesome. Uh, it certainly makes you feel that, and like the weather here in Chicago, it's finally broken, and uh, the snow, the like, f- you know foot and a half of snow we had is is kind of almost all melted away essentially and like it's uh it's a relief to have this break from uh the the winter uh dread I'll say not even winter doldrums but the dread of winter um but uh so yeah so it's been uh it's been great spring is like flooding back here this past week um but yeah yeah so it was cool Shambi was cool I mean he was already like being kind of like wry and and kind of goofy uh in the first game and um it was it was fun to see. I feel like uh, I felt I felt pretty good watching the game and hearing them. Yeah, you know, it, it this didn't occur to me, Jeremy, but I, I would guess that Shambi can be a little bit, um, you know, a little bit goofier and a little bit wryer than he was on ESPN, where he probably has mm-hmm. to be a little bit more vanilla um, with the mm-hmm. Cubs, with a more regional broadcast. You might, uh, you know, you might see him be a little quirkier and be like more his true self, which which could be fun. I mean, it could be even better than it was. Yeah, for sure. I he even I went, I don't I don't want to say he was throwing shade at uh at Len, but um they did uh JD said uh they were talking at some point and um he's like uh all right, Boog, uh, so you know, Len Casper uh was my former uh, you know, used to sit in that chair and and Shambi did do a funny thing. He's like, "Who?" 
like <laughs> after after Deshay's <laughs> mentioned Len Casper, which was pretty funny. Um, but he was like, you know, my, you know, Len was a big uniform guy. Uh, he was really into uniforms. Like, where would you would you say you're about equal to that? A little less or a little more? And Boog said, like, you know, like if Len was like an eleven on a scale of one to ten, like he's more of like a, a seven or a six, okay. uh, which is kind of funny. Um, so I think he's going to be a little. He's just going to be a little more like, you know, I think a little more observational, a little more laid back, a little like less um, kind of uh, technical, you know, and just kind of more of a, a personality a little bit, which I think is, is cool. I mean, like, you know, that's kind of like what the color man is for anyway. Um, I mean, I, you know, obviously the color man is supposed to bring some color to the game as well, but they also bring analysis. And it's like, I think, I don't know. It's like the Cubs were, it's kind of almost like balance like len was pretty straightforward um and uh you know jd was the, was the weird one sometimes so i don't know it'll be interesting to see the balance kind of shift or kind of figure itself out so so yeah that was cool to see for sure and then um, and then you saw the yeah. vandy game too right with yeah, the, uh, yeah. kumar rocker pitching yeah so the vandy game um i watched so i started watching some games saturday but uh, Sunday was the big one. Vandy played a doubleheader against Georgia Southern, and uh, the first game of the of the of the doubleheader was started by Kumar Rocker, uh, and the second game was started by uh, Randall A. Theater's own uh, Jack Leiter, mm-hmm. uh, son of Al, uh, he of the uh, the um, furious autograph. Uh, <laughs> if you if you go back uh, to I think the 2018 season yep. when we went to the Under Armour All Star game. Uh, I had a little run in with uh, Jack Leiter's dad, Al, former MLB pitcher. Um, but um, yeah, so like, I mean, that's like a friggin', you know, talk about prospect whisperer. Like, that was a prospect whisperer's dream. Like, seeing they're essentially like kind of like the number one and two prospects in the draft this year. And uh, they're both sophomores. Or actually, uh, Jack Leiter's a sophomore. Kumar Rocker's a junior. I think he, he came back because of the the weird season. So um, getting to see both of them pitch was awesome. I mean, Kumar Rocker is just, you know, you talk about he's not quite Kyle Blank's big, <laughs> but um, let me try to find what his uh, his vitals are. I, I um, want to guess there's 6'5", 245. Um, I could be wrong. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. 6'5", 245. Okay. So um, for a pitcher, I mean, that's pretty – pretty uh in like towering um he's just um a hard tosser but he also like was throwing like a this like slider and this curve and just like he struck out the the first inning that i saw him pitch because i missed the first two because of apparently in college they just start the games whenever the hell they want or they change (laughs) it without much notice um but uh so i missed the damn first two innings but uh the third inning he struck out the side uh which is pretty cool um and uh, he just looked you know, he looks major league ready. I mean, like I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like, you know, he'll get drafted this year, this June. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's not going to get drafted by anyone contending. Like the pirates have the first pick, I believe. Um, and, uh, I can't remember what the order is. I think the tigers have like the third pick. I can't remember who has the second pick, but, um, uh, he's, there's going to be no need to rush him, but I think this guy could pitch next year. Like I was almost going to say, Jeremy, I mean, hell, like if he was on a contending team, I wonder if I almost wonder if they'd call him up in September. Um, Right. Like Brandon Finnegan happened with him at the Royals. Um, You know, that seems like a possibility. Hey, if well, hey, you know what? If the Pirates draft him, maybe they can trade him for like Blake Snell or something like that. 
you know? <laughs> yeah. Like they've done with oh. all of their other good pitching prospects. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Jack Leiter, who we saw, you know, uh, pitch uh, a great uh, inning yep. in that Under Armour game. I mean, he looks, again, too, like he kind of looks like Sonny Gray a little bit. He, he like, like facially looks like Sonny Gray, but he's kind of, he's not the biggest guy. Um, and he just, like, has, like, I don't know. I mean, like, he he looks like a prof- professional pitcher as well. I mean, granted, he was raised by a professional pitcher, so it makes sense. But, um, yeah, I mean, just the, the, the one thing about both of those guys, too, is they worked crazy fast, like super fast, like 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 stuff that would make uh, Mark Burley, uh, you know, have to shift in his chair a little bit. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like, uh, so, yeah, Jack Leiter was just, like, pumping in strikes and, like, had a great outing. Um and uh, looked really good. There was a kid on Georgia Southern, though. Um, I looked him up. He's not any prospect of note. His name was Josh Smith, and he actually got like a double off of off of Rocker in the first game, and then got like an opposite field hit off of Lighter in the second game. And I like, I was like, hell yeah for that kid. Like that kid will be able to say like, hey, I got a hit off of Rocker and Lighter in, in the same day in a double header. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool uh, for him. Um, but uh, but yeah, those guys looked really good, um, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not giving any kind of scouting report that you can't get anywhere else. But like, it was cool to see them, uh, especially having seeing like live baseball for the first time in in, in months. And uh, yeah, it was the best uh, best six bucks I ever spent, Jack. Nice, yeah, I like it, Jeremy. And I I'll tell you this, Vanderbilt has quite a good baseball uh, program. Again, you know, you don't need to listen to this podcast to to hear someone tell you that. But I mean, I'm sure that's going to help their recruiting. It's pretty cool that they basically have the numbers one and two prospects uh, in the game on, in the same rotation. Uh, let's just hope that both of those guys turn out better than Carson Fulmer. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like a little more like Walker Bueller, a little less like Carson Fulmer. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we'll see there. Uh, just a quick note too. I also watched a little bit of a Florida, and there was a kid named Jack Leftwich. So, Jack, you you know, there's a lot of. Uh, there's going to be some up and coming jacks in the uh, in the MLB, so that'll that'll be good for your brand. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy, sure. that name is that name is making a furious comeback ever since yeah. ever since Jack Bauer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All I have is Jeremy Hellickson. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, uh, I think uh, this guy Jack Left, which looked also really good, like just professional pitcher, like a guy. It's just it's cool. I, I have you know I'm I I do love the prospects. I admittedly haven't watched a lot of college baseball because it's just you know, you kind of have to seek it out a little bit. I had to like subscribe to this like service or whatever. Um, but when you see like a college pitcher, um, and it's like, you can just tell, like, it's like, I can picture this guy pitching on the mound in a, in a major league game. And so I think this Jack left, which is going to be a first round pick too. And, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with these guys, but these are like, you know, college guys, like college upperclassmen. Um, so, you know, they could be in the, in the major leagues in a year or two, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's exciting stuff, especially since we saw Jack Leiter, uh, two years ago, folks, you heard, you heard it here first, uh, literally. Um, also Je- yes. uh, Jeremy Hermita, Jeremy, how could you forget about Jeremy Hermita? Um, Jeremy Hermita, Jeremy Guthrie, um, Jeremy Giambi, uh, yeah. Jeremy Reed. <laughs> Wasn't there Jeremy Reed possibly? Oh yeah. Um, was, yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, okay. Jeremy, the, the Cubs signed Eric Sogard, who has, uh, yeah. been brought up quite often on this podcast. Yeah. Let's talk about Sogard. I want to circle back to the broadcast one, one more time too, for something funny that happened. But, uh, Sogard, 
I mean, Jack, listen, we, we did the um, the uh, non-roster invitees episode last week. We kind of pushed it back. We were going to maybe do it a week earlier, but we're like, let's just hold out as long as we can so we don't miss any signings. And, uh, I mean, this is where Eric Sogard is. He's like, teams had to wait a week to decide if they want to invite him to spring training. <laughs> um, and that team, of course, that ended up doing that, it was the Cubs. So he's, uh, he's in Cubs camp right now, and... Um, I saw the news Tuesday after watching the Cubs earlier that day where Nico Horner looked great. I mean, I know it was one game, but he looked really good. He had like two hits, I think, like a double and a and a really like nice single like to opposite field. Like he looks like he's settling in maybe in the majors. And I don't know. They signed Sogard. I, I was almost like they might have uh, they might have agreed to that before that game or something. And now it's like, all right, well, we got to take this guy in, I guess. <laughs> Um, I'm surprised he's 34. But, yeah, at least it, uh, I guess Daniel Descalzo was a thing of the past, right? He's no longer on the roster? Yeah, yeah. He's gone, okay, I believe. Okay, perfect. Well, um, you know, I guess Eric Sogard, who knows? Maybe he'll see some action. Uh, you know, we thought Derek Dietrich was going to make an impact with the Cubs last year, and that never happened. So maybe Sogard will be this year's uh, Dietrich. Um, yeah, what was yeah, that other What was that other thing with the broadcast, Jeremy? Was it Sogard, Sogard is Descalzo with glasses, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> And with uh, more sh- like more shirt time than uh, than Derek Dietrich, so somewhere <laughs> in the middle there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, okay. So in that first game, uh, that was or actually no, it was the game that was on yesterday. Jock Peterson was in the lineup, and he hit just a, a he just crushed a ball to like I think I think it was like right center maybe. It's just like just killed a home run, just absolutely crushed it off of some bum pitcher for the uh, for the. Um, uh, Mariners, uh, but uh, so he crushed it, and it's like you could, and there are fans in the stands, and you can hear the fans. And I was annoyed already after like watching 15 minutes of a game, like hearing some guy heckle, like doing bad heckles. Um, but Peterson crushed this homer. I can't, I can't stress that enough how how much he crushed it. And you heard a guy in the background say like, "Jock just said fuck you, Schwarber." Like he was like talking <laughs> to a friend of his, and like he's like. Oh man, Jock just said "fuck you, Schwarber," and like it was just like it was so misplaced. It's like, what is? I I know that that uh, like ostensibly Peterson is replacing Schwarber on the roster, but it's like there's no animosity between the two of them to where Jock Peterson has to say "fuck you" to Kyle Schwarber. Um, it was just so like it was just such a like a mis like directed like uh you know, um, enthusiasm towards Jack Peterson's, uh, Homer. Uh, it was just really funny to hear though. And like, yeah, I felt it was, I was actually like walking around listening to it on headphones and I feel like I was kind of distracted a little bit and, uh, it was pretty clear to me. So I probably on TV, it was probably really clear. Well, to say nothing, first of all, that, that there's no animosity between those two guys, but the Cubs let go of Kyle Schwarber. They, right. No, exactly. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, they, they did not offer him a, uh, they non-tendered him. Like I could see yeah. that fan being bitter if Kyle Schwarber had like either demanded a trade or just left via free agency. But yeah, say say he made like a video where he like had you know a Cubs jersey and a Nationals jersey, and then he like at the end he's like, "See you in spring training, Washington," you know, like that. <laughs> yeah, like it, exactly, like uh, you know, like a Trevor Bauer type. So I could see like Mets fans being pissed at Trevor Bauer, but like this, yeah. this Cubs fan, like this is just somebody who doesn't understand what the situation was. Like he doesn't no. understand the business of baseball. The Cubs cut 
Kyle Schwarber. So, like, I mean, yeah, I guess if you want to kick Kyle Schwarber while he's down, like, sure. But, uh, yeah, that's just that's just a misplaced comment, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe maybe the fans need practice, uh, you know, being fans. Uh, but from what we've experienced, uh, they they need, you know, it's not just a matter of getting up to speed. I think they just need some sort of total rehabilitation program. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, Jeremy. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, maybe Lorenzo Cain is going to be rusty for the Brewers because he opted mm-hmm. out. But it's like, man, you know, we're going to – the heckling is going to be rusty too. I'm a little worried when I go to a game now. I'm not sure, you know, I, I, I hope that I can, you know, live up to the standards that we've uh, – you know, that we've set here over these first three years. Speaking of that, Jeremy, uh, yeah, I, it, there are fans in the stands at uh, spring training games. I think at all games uh, in both Arizona and Florida. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Cubs have the uh, biggest, uh, largest expected attendance. I think they're allowing in like 3,900 people per game or something like that, um, uh, yeah. if, if what I read was correct, which to me almost seems like the Ricketts giving a, a middle finger to uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot and J.B. Pritzker. Uh, you know, they don't, uh, they're on the other side of the political spectrum. But that almost feels like the Ricketts <laughs> are like, hey, fuck you, look at all these people we have here. You're not gonna let us, let us have any fans to open the year. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot did say that she expects uh, baseball to be uh, attended in Chicago at some point mm-hmm. this summer. So, uh, you know, so who knows? Maybe sooner rather than later, Jeremy. I don't know how we're going to go about getting tickets because I'm sure it's going to be a hot ticket. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they did say that there would be people attending, um, you know, possibly attending games this summer. That that was just said this week. So that was exciting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of where and when. Um, if you believe the news, uh, by the end of May, we'll all be good to go. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll believe that when I have that second needle sticking out of my arm, I guess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, and I, I think if, if the Ricketts were trying to send a message, they, they better give a big assist to uh, the uh, Arizona lawmakers too, for uh, th- throwing the gates wide open. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll see about all that. But, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was um, very interesting to see uh, just, yeah, there, there are a lot of people there for sure. And um, uh yeah, we'll see. Uh, another cool thing about that uh, that game, uh, Jared Kalanick also hit a home run. Uh, really, really like it. It looked like it looked like it was like a routine fly ball, and it just kind of carried right out of the ballpark to uh, deep left center. So that was cool. His first home run of uh, of the spring too. Well, hey, now now that he's not being held back by that Mariners CEO anymore, he's free to spread his wings and fly. All right, Jack. And the, okay, last thing before we um we we get on to the main topic here. Um, I mean, we would be remiss to not at least mention the fact that our buddy Mickey Callaway is in the news again. Um, uh, just more details have come out about um you know like what the Indians knew, what they didn't know. Um, I feel like there's more people that have come forward. Uh. Um, I almost think we we were easy on Mickey Callaway in the in the first time we talked about him uh, with with all the new stuff that's coming out there, and I just feel like he continues to just look more and more pathetic. I guess. Yeah, and and I mean, uh, you know, to quote quote Shawn Michaels, who said, uh, you know, the of, of professional wrestling, if I go down, <laughs> I'm taking everybody with me. Like that's kind of what's <laughs> yeah. happening to Mickey Callaway here. Uh, th- there's a some serious kind of fallout in the Indians organization now. Terry, they're saying that Terry Francona. And the GM of the Indians both knew about this and purposely yeah. purposely covered it up. Uh, I think Terry Francona even at one point said, like, you know, you're, you're not going to fire my pitching coach because of this. 
Um, and that's paraphrasing, but I think, you know, essentially he, he said something like that, um, yeah. according to the article. And then he was asked about it a day or two ago, and he, he basically gave a really tone-deaf response. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I mean, Terry Francona is a good manager. It seems like he's been having, um, you know, he, he seemed to be out quite a bit last year. Um, I don't know if that was him opting out or if he was having some health issues, but I'm not sure how much yeah. longer he would have been managing uh, anyway. Um, although he does, he is the type of guy who's a, a baseball lifer. But there yeah. could be some some repercussions for him in all of this yeah. um, and other yeah. people in the Indians organization. Uh, you know, they apparently they called him Dick Pick Mick in New York. Um, <laughs> I think it's funny that they said yes. Met staffers in the locker room were saying that Mickey Calloway was texting like right before games, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, he wasn't texting anything about the game. Like he was just texting with women like right before the game." So that just shows you where his yeah. head was at. Um, yep. You know, maybe one reason why he finished two games over 500 for the two seasons he he managed there. So there was just a whole bunch of a whole bunch of uh, lascivious stuff in there, um, and it'll be interesting to see where the Angels what happens with the Angels. They haven't fired him yet, and I'm sure it what, must be really disruptive for their spring training. That's what I'm saying. It's like you know, like we we, t- we talked about this in text. It's like. Yeah, I guess Francona may be fired, but friggin' Mickey Callaway isn't fired yet. Like the guy still isn't. Well, just fire the guy and move on. Like, what's the who? How great is this guy as a pitching coach that like all this stuff is gonna happen? Like, and dating years back, like all this stuff is gonna happen to protect him. Like, just get his ass out of there and move on. There's a million fucking guys who can be pitching coaches. Like, I like. Hell, bring back Chris Basio. <laughs> yeah, um, but like, I like it, it's it's just crazy that he hasn't been fired yet. It's like, what what more do they need to 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 see or hear to decide whether they should fire the guy or not? Like, I'm wondering, like, like what does Joe Madden have to? I, I'm sure someone's gotten a quote from Joe Madden, but you know, Joe Madden didn't really handle a lot of uh, controversy well either uh, in the times he was with Chicago. So like, I don't. Um, I, the whole thing is crazy. It's like just get rid of this guy and let's all move on. Yeah, I think I think Madden they asked him about it and it was just kind of a at least the last thing I read it was kind of a see no evil, hear no evil kind of thing. He just mm-hmm. he just basically denied that he had any any knowledge of, of anything. Um it's gonna yeah. be a lot harder for him to say that now since it's it was basically an open secret everywhere, so it seems. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, baseball is a pretty small, like closed circle. So he, he must have known. They all must have known. And if they didn't know before, sure. apparently Mickey Calloway made it really obvious wherever he went that he, uh, <laughs> that he would, you know, they said that when he was warming up pitchers in the, in the bullpen before games, he would, like, walk over to the bleachers and start hitting on women. And then, like, the pitchers and catchers would be like, you know, what the, what the fuck, man? Are you, like, not even paying attention here? Uh, right. So I, I don't know how this guy rose so quickly in these organizations and became this coveted pitching coach. But uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting. Like you said, Jeremy, um, you know, th- there's uh, there's plenty of pitching coaches out there. And um, hey, it's like Lou Pinella said, you know, there's 30 teams that could use a guy like that, you know, in reference to Steve Stone. <laughs> so maybe maybe Steve Stone will put the uniform on for once and, and become the <laughs> Angels pitching coach. I doubt it. I doubt it. But uh, yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, there's no way there's no way he can come back, though. So they might as well just get it over with. I don't understand what the delay is. Like, no. I, I just don't. But so anyway, um, but uh, all right, Jack, let's uh, let's get into uh, the uh, the topic at hand. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, we've uh, we've done a couple movies uh, in the past. We've um, we've yeah. recapped a couple of baseball movies. We did Angels in the Outfield was one of them. What was the other one we did? We did it, I think, in the tw- fan, the fan. That's right. So so we yeah. did uh, the fan. It was like 2018. 
2019, we did Angels in the Outfield, and then, so during the pandemic, 2020, we didn't do a movie. So we were due, we were due for one. We were due for a baseball yeah. movie. Um, we were bandying about uh, several ideas, uh, The Babe, uh, Mr. Baseball, uh, Major yeah. League, uh, The Last Scene of Naked Gun, all fine ideas, but um, you know, none of them were on streaming. So we were, we were kind of screwed yeah. there, um, <laughs> and we weren't planning to get together to watch a movie. Uh, so, so our options were a bit limited for this one. So we, we, we decided on a movie called Pinch, which is, yes. uh, which is on, on Amazon Prime. Um, yep. and so the streaming, yeah, streaming uh, free on Amazon Prime. If you, if you got you it, you do. Yeah. Um, and so the, uh, Jeremy, I think you found this, you probably just searched baseball, right? On, on, I, yeah. I think I searched baseball memorabilia actually okay. or something. I, I don't know. Or eh, no, maybe I searched base. Yeah. I think I just searched baseball on, um, cause then I did a secondary, uh, baseball memorabilia search after I found this movie. But yeah, yeah. It popped up for me. Um, read the description. I believe, um, uh, let's see. I think I, uh, crap. Um, head in front of me, but basically it's like when two, uh, uh, memorabilia collectors. Yeah, you got yeah, it. I, I got it, Jeremy. So I'll read the synopsis uh, here. When two strangers are brought together by the chance to own a rare and valuable sports collectible, they're tasked with stepping out of their comfort zones and onto a baseball field. Um, yes. So the reason this kind of caught our eye was that so this movie's from 2016. So uh, in 2017, Jeremy and I we maybe mentioned this once or twice on the on the podcast, but we actually wrote a pilot that uh, centered around um, uh, a, a guy played by me who inherits um, a bunch of baseball memorabilia and, uh, and you know, he has to sell it off piece by piece or he has to decide whether he wants to sell it off piece by piece or sell it all in a lump sum to some shitty uh, right-wing nut job played by the great Paul Turner. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, we, we had actually written a pilot that revolved around baseball memorabilia um, and so this really caught our eye because we wanted to see, well, we, how similar, how similar we were say, these? Yeah, we should say we wrote it and shot it and, you know, like submitted it around and everything. Like, like it was in the can, like a completed half hour TV pilot that we, yeah, like uh, I directed it and Jack and I wrote it and Jack is in it. And like uh, former guest Mark Rosenthal is in it. Um, and uh, yeah, like um, so. One thing though, I'll say too, Jack, is that on on Amazon Prime, it's it lists the movie as being from 2020. So it it, it re- immediately raised my my you know antennas. Like this thing came out in 2020. Ours came out in 2017. I d- I guess I just didn't look or I didn't notice on IMDb because I'm pretty sure I looked at IMDb. IMDb listed as 2016. So it actually was made in 2016 or it came out in 2016. Um, so no, it, but yeah, but initially, like, oh, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, no, I was gonna say uh, initially, I think we kind of thought that like it was like, well, these guys rip us off. Turns out that was just our egos yeah. getting uh, getting out of control. Like you know, oh, like our pilot was so good that these guys are gonna fucking rip it off. You know, um, uh, which which you know, I, I, it it wasn't you know, hey, I would be I would be flattered if somebody thought that was you know thought it was that good. I would also be kind of sure. pissed if they actually got like sure. a, a movie on Amazon Prime. But yeah, um, right. I had missed that as well. Uh, it must have just got put on Amazon Prime on 2020. Yeah. Maybe that's why yeah. it, that, that's why it said it. Um, but yeah, it was interesting, Jeremy. I, it wasn't until after the movie that I did the research. But there's really no reviews or anything about this movie. It's a true independent movie. It seems like it was shot on a shoestring budget. Um, it was written and directed uh, and starring a guy named Jake Lloyd Bacon. 
Um, mm-hmm. he, he basically seems like he did he did everything for this for this movie. So it was kind yeah. of his his passion project, his baby, so to speak. Um, yeah, so it was a true independent movie uh, uh, in that sense. Yeah, and I, you know it was a union production too. Like they 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 were part of they shot it like through SAG AFTRA. Um, so, but like, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big cast. Um, uh, the, they used, they had a couple locations, but a lot of it was shot like, you know, practically like in like apartments and stuff like that, which I, I always pay attention to like from a filmmaking standpoint, but, but yeah, like, you know, so all of that, like, you know, all of that, like, um, kind of uh preamble to to talk about the movie and just give it a little context for for where we're coming from i know that uh you've all been with us for most of 109 episodes and we haven't really talked about the pilot so but we had to get into that incidentally if if anyone does want to watch the pilot it is online at uh it's um i have a a url that i created just um for it actually so uh if you go to jeremydionisio.com it it is available there people want to see it we never really kind of pushed it out there um because we were still kind of shop like you know sending it around submitting it around um but uh but yeah so like i don't know i was thinking maybe maybe one of these guys was like a reviewer at one of the the festivals we we submitted to and thought took like heard the idea and then maybe like you know put a spin on it enough to where it was like their own idea who knows but uh now now they can turn around and say that we stole the idea from them and uh so (laughs) You know, we we've kind of implicated ourselves in in a bit in, in a way, um, but uh, but yeah, let's 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 talk about this film, Jack. Sure, absolutely. Um, and you know, hey, Jeremy, uh, I, I will say that like, um, if if any of the people who are involved with this movie end up listening to this podcast, like, uh, hey, I'll I'll be the first to say that our you know if if we have any criticisms or if I have any criticisms <laughs> about their film, I'll say, hey, like you know, our our pilot was by no means perfect either uh by no means by no means so sure uh you know if, if they have a podcast they can feel free to rip us to shreds if they want to it's it's all it's all fair game when you create yeah. something and you put something out there in the universe um you know you uh you are susceptible to criticism uh so hey like it's it's all it's all fair game i just want to get that sure. out there well yeah let's i mean okay let's give another layer of, of preface here too is like saying that like um you know like obviously uh I kind of lost my train of thought here a little bit, but like, um, you know, the listeners know that we, we, we pretty much blindly attack like (laughs) whoever we can, uh, whether it's baseball fans, uh, like guys who just want to get autographs, um, of players. Although those guys are legitimately creeps. The guys who are getting 10 autographs from one player, I digress. Um, well, there's nothing that we won't, uh, you know, tackle. Um, I, I have a, a bit of a, a tough time, you know, attacking a, a fellow like, you know, struggling artist, independent filmmaker kind of guy. But um, so we'll, we'll we'll give it we'll give it the rain delay theater treatment. But um, I think, uh, you know, I honestly, I you know, we'll we'll, we'll get we'll go through it. But um, certainly, yes, obviously, we're open. We're opening ourselves up to uh, to criticism as well. But uh, let's we'll talk about it and, and see how it goes. All right. All right. So um, so, so the movie starts off with uh, kind of a, a cool, actually a pretty cool montage of, um, of baseball cards, of old baseball cards of this guy named Norman Cash, who is a, a fictional baseball player. Um, he, I mean, he almost looks not, like an... He almost not looks fictional. Like a, what's that? Not fictional. Norman Jack. Cash is not fictional? No, Norm Cash is a real player. Holy shit, uh, I did not know which, this. Yeah, okay, well, there we go. Uh, so here's the thing, Jack. Well, I'll say this, Jack. 
the way that Norm Cash is portrayed in this movie, you would think that he's a fictional character. You would think he was Babe Ruth. Um, but so, okay, well, this is the, I guess this is maybe the first thing we can kind of talk about. I'll, I'll just finish your thought, Jack. Like it, it begins with a montage of like, yeah, collectibles of, of this former Tigers, uh, first baseman, Norm Cash. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. He played, he played a long time for the Tigers. Holy shit. He had a, he had a yeah. pretty decent career too. He had 361 in 1961. Okay. For, for sure. I think this guy is truly like probably a Detroit fan favorite and like, you know, just obviously way before our times, way out of our, not way, like out of our, you know, regional know-how. So I, I could definitely see how this guy is like a beloved tiger, uh, through tigers fans. Um, also, I feel like they called him Norman a lot, and I, I guess his nickname is Storm and Norman, but I always I, – I know the name. Like, I know him as Norm Cash anyway. Um, but, like, so there's a montage of just, the like, yeah, collectibles, like collect, like autographed baseball cards, baseballs, um, like newspaper clippings, whatever, of Norm Cash. And uh, I was thinking, like, okay, like, it's not just about memorabilia. It's specifically about Norm Cash. And I tried to last as long as I could before I, I went to Baseball Reference and looked up Norm Cash. Um, but, uh, um, he like, yeah, so I, I made it about like 20 minutes in the movie until like, there's all this Norm Cash talk that I'm like, all right, I got to look this guy up and see what his numbers were like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like it's, it doesn't really like, they don't ever really talk about how like the, that anyone in the movie, I'll just say at this point, anyone in the movie, like had a specific tie to Norm Cash specifically, I, it's kind of odd, but and the way that it's like if you weren't a baseball fan and you you saw it, you would think that Norm Cash was like Babe Ruth. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm looking at his numbers here, and uh, you know, he was a pretty good slugger. I mean, he finished with yeah. 377 career home runs uh, for for a number of years. He had uh, over 30 home runs, um, you know, 20 plus, 30 plus home runs. So yeah, he had a solid career, and yeah, he did he did lead the league in batting average one year at 361, mm-hmm. which is pretty legit. Mm-hmm. He played in 159 games that year. So yeah, uh, four time All Star. Um, yeah, pretty solid. Uh, this this would actually be a good guy for uh, uh, baseball history class. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I so now I am wondering if that story they tell about him later uh, later on is true with oh. the, with the table. The, uh, I believe it probably is. Yeah, yeah. it probably yeah. is. Okay, so that was how they got those cards then, because I was like, th- I mean, they, 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 so they show real old baseball cards of, of Norm Cash, um, and he's a, he's like a central character to the plot. So okay, so that adds another layer. Like maybe this guy's one of the one of the characters' dads is uh, like Norm Cash was his hero. So maybe this right. guy is like from Detroit. But they don't ever say that, no, though, right? They don't. Yeah, they, I don't even think they ever. Uh, you know, I mean, you see it on his baseball card, but I mean, I don't even think they ever say that like he played for the Tigers or anything like that, do they? Um, no, I don't know if they ever actually say Tigers. Which, so actually, so Jack, one of my first things, like one of my first thoughts was like, I was wondering how they, like, because they play like an audio clip too of a broadcast, um, and I was like wondering like how they got to use that. Um, and then I also, you know, these things that you think about, like from like when you're watching a film, like how do they get the rights to this? Like they're showing like baseball cards and and um, logos and stuff. And, you know, obviously, like the MLB is very like particular about like, you know, their logos being used and something that we even thought about when we made our pilot. Um, I did see at the end they they make a note saying that like MLB baseball and like ti- the Detroit Tigers logo was used under fair use. Uh, which is kind of like the independent filmmakers, like kind of like out clause to like use stuff. You can claim fair use of it. 
um which i couldn't dis- i couldn't define like what that means legally but it's like it's you're using it for like as a public it's kind of like a known public thing you're not using it like as a endorsement or like to try to make money off of it it's like yeah so whatever i don't know but um you can google fair use well we yeah we, um, we could have done the same thing for our pilot actually if it would have you know <laughs> yeah well that was actually good to know like if, if something ever like came to that but you know i you know as a filmmaker you're always that's in the back of your mind like fair use fair use but anyway um so so yeah so i'll say this really quick too about our pilot and and this show like um so our pilot is focused around the the 1989 Fleer Billy Ripken fuckface baseball card. So this is another thing that you need to know. But like in in this Fleer uh, baseball card set in 1989, there was a Bill Ripken card that said fuckface on the knob of the bat, and somehow it got through and got printed. And so so in 19 in the summer of like 1989, there were a bunch of packs of baseball cards floating out there with the word fuckface written like like on there like in the picture and like no one knew it um so it's kind of like a it's a notorious like card that's out there and so like we wrote like the pilot like focused around like the or, like not focused around but like one of the things that comes up in it is like this this card and how it's like valuable and like it's like a it's like uh you know the holy grail or something it's it's not like we kind of trumped up like the 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 like desirability like the rarity of it kind of mm-hmm. um for like the pilot like i had always wanted to write something like focused around that car just because it was so iconic from my childhood um and so like it was a bit of a stretch the way we portrayed it in the pilot but if, if that was a stretch this whole thing about norm cash and like an autographed bat which we'll get into is just like wow this is a leap this is like a you know a leap of a country mile um <laughs> compared to like i feel like the the Billy Ripken fuckface card, but um, but you know, we'll let's 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 keep going. Yeah, and I, I guess one more one more thing, Jeremy. Um, yeah, and I would agree with you there because they're not like you said. They make the guy seem like Babe Ruth, but they're never exactly clear just how good he was. Um, but so during this baseball this baseball card montage, they have like this uh, this like kind of sappy like uh, acoustic guitar music going on. Um, yeah. And I, I I don't know if I yeah another thing we should share about the uh, the pilot. Is that like my like pipe dream for the pilot would have been to have like uh, have it be scored with like organ music like ballpark organ music, mm-hmm. um, which I thought would have been super cool. It just wasn't really it just wasn't practical for us to be able to do that. But I think it would have been uh, it would have been cool to uh, to have that. Um, so th- this had like it had kind of like a strange sort of uh, like kind of sappy score that it, it fit the uh, the overall tone of the movie. I, I will say, but I um, thought the yeah I thought the I thought the intro music fit. Like it, it's it's yeah it's it's just like emotional acoustic guitar music. I thought that it fit for there. Maybe there's some other moments where I didn't think it fit, but um in the opening credits, I I actually liked it in the opening credits. I thought it set a good tone for the film. Uh, even though as we get later on into the first act, I felt like there were some scenes that were maybe a little more kind of like either silly or like um maybe a little tension building, and that that the music seemed a little too like happy. Um, but, but yeah, like definitely in the opening scene, it's, it's, it's very kind of emotional, I would say. Well, so, so yeah, uh, so, so we have this montage. I like seeing, I like seeing those old cards. It was cool. And then we get to, um, you know, we get, to, we get to see the two, the two main characters like go into their homes after a long day. Like we see, so the, the two characters names are, are Roy and, uh, and what is it? Grant. And Grant. Grant. And Grant. 
Uh, so Roy is a little bit older. He's got a mustache. He looks kind of like a low-rent Tom Selleck. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, Grant is uh, kind of like he, that. Grant is played by Jake Lloyd Bacon, uh, the writer and director. Um, he's like kind of a younger younger like nerdier uh looking guy you know just for, for, for lack of a better term i mean i don't well, know there goes there goes the goodwill that we got a low rent kevin uh tom Selleck and a nerd <laughs> but but yeah no i no yeah i like I, I honestly um his look was like kind of a uh, like just a weird one to kind of get around too because like he has tattoos he does look kind of like he kind he could kind of pass as like a hacker kind of guy yeah but also, like he, he also looks like a a filmmaker guy as well. Yes, he does. And like, he doesn't necessarily look like a baseball card collector or even like a memorabilia flipper, which is kind of what his character is trying to be. Um, so it was an interesting look. I mean, the guy wrote it and directed it, so he he's also in it, and like he he's not a bad actor. No. Um, yeah, but um, he, he it was a. It was a little stretched, like his look for the for the character. I would say a little bit, um, but uh, but yeah. And the other guy, just like yeah, I think he's got the mustache. He's trying to look like kind of like a, a beat down, kind of like kind of a little down and out kind of guy. And we'll we'll find out why as as we go on. Yeah. Um. So you know, you, you see you see the two guys. They're at home. They're they're both with their doting wives who like do mm-hmm. nothing but try to please these guys. Well, I should say, uh, uh, Roy is married. Um, Grant is engaged to a uh, to a woman he refuses to marry because he doesn't he doesn't have the doesn't have the balls to step up to the plate and do it yet um so yeah it's, pretty much so it's gonna you're gonna the, the journey here is these two guys uh becoming men or something i don't know but in, anyway um yeah so like they, they they go home to their doting wives who are both like oh how was your day etc um and they're just like yeah yeah it was the usual i mean jeremy i'm just gonna throw it out there right now like these two guys yeah. are fucking schlubs man like they're just like they, you know they they don't deserve uh like these characters yes, like they don't yes. they don't deserve to have like uh these awesome wives like both of these guys should be like just single and fucking alone and eating like tv dinners every night they're just both a couple of schlubs i got to say yeah yeah they're they're a bunch of sad bastards kind of um it's jack i mean yeah absolutely like like the the wives are both or the the you know significant others are both like beautiful women like they're like uh like they they just like are like the most supportive, most loving, like most understanding people. <laughs> Even when there's like some sort of like there's a little tension, and I feel like they try to like raise a little tension about like spending money, but that isn't even like that kind of like goes away that time that that like I thought that that was gonna be a thing where it's like she like the wife of like Roy was like you know saying that he's spending too much money. It turns out she wasn't really upset about the money itself. It was more about like why he was doing it. Um, that she was concerned about, but like it, this is, I'll say this Jack is a little bit of an insight into, um, <laughs> into card collecting and, and, and memorabilia collecting is, um, I, you know, you, you watch these like breaks of these cards on online and there's like, I can't, we can't get into what all that means, but basically like there, there are like live streams of people like looking at baseball cards or opening packs and people chat and, you know, you talk and you get to meet people in the chat and you, there's regulars and stuff. And I, I am one of those regulars in some, you know, groups and, um, time and time again, you hear guys saying like, 
oh yeah, I'm divorced, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, my wife left me, like, oh, I, you know, and it's because they, these guys become obsessed with cards and like, they like, they ignore their wives and like, they, they just like, you know, collect their cards and it's, and rightfully so, like the wives are, are right to leave these guys because <laughs> they're like, they're like, they're, they're completely absentee and like, you know, and God forbid the ones that actually have kids too, who they're probably ignoring to look at baseball cards. But like, um, that's, I thought they, that's where they were going to go with this. It turns out these these wives couldn't have been more supportive uh of like you know just like trying to like like plead like like pamper their 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 spirits and their their feelings but um but yeah it it definitely is like it's definitely like these guys like this guy doesn't want to marry this he's afraid to marry this woman like he would he should be begging he should be like begging her to marry him and like and yeah so it was it's the the balance there was a little off i would say especially since she's she's they established early on that she's the breadwinner so she's an attorney right. she's an attorney and like he's a dude who like runs i don't know if it's an online like baseball trading or like memorabilia trading thing or if they have an actual he, store but like he runs he, it with her deadbeat like brother um, yeah, definitely it, not a store. I, he talks about like going to trade shows and stuff. So I think he's just like, uh, you know, a small time flipper guy. Yeah, like, I'm sure. Yeah. And she's know. a fucking attorney. And like, that's not, uh, you know, that's, she's that's gorgeous. Yes. And she's a gorgeous attorney um, <laughs> who has a slime ball brother who we'll, we'll get to in a second. Um, yeah. So, yeah, basically, like both of the the opening scene is them meeting their uh, respective significant others. And then like their significant others go to bed. And then like these two guys see this Norm Cash autographed bat uh, on being sold on Craigslist. So they both uh, decide that the next morning they're going to put in a put in a bid for it. Yeah. Contact uh, this this the person um, from the Craigslist ad, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then the next morning, uh, we see, um, we meet the scumbag brother-in-law of Grant, Grant scumbag brother-in-law. Um, uh, you yeah. know, his, the, Teague, it, yeah. I think his name what, what's his name? Teague. Teague. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I don't know how these siblings turned out so different. Like, uh, the sister has like a great head on her shoulders. Um, you know, responsible. Uh, she's an attorney. She's a great partner. And uh, her brother is like uh, just this fucking you know scuzzbag who like hooks up with girls from online dating and takes pictures of it and shows it to Grant, which is dis- <laughs> yeah. which is disgusting. Um, <laughs> it's it's quite despicable. I, the scene itself, I think, was kind of played funny in a way, but it's it, it is also like pretty gross. Uh, the reality of the situation, and yeah, he I mean he's like a total frat boy basically. Um, but also with like a business sense and somehow he's the guy who like Grant needs to consult about like, is this bat valuable? And like, no, I, I, yeah, we'll get into that, that scene, but like, it's like, I had an idea of what that bat might be worth. And then when we see the next scene, it's, it's kind of crazy, but Jack, I real quick, before we move on too far, I want to say that like, I was getting a little, I was getting a little worried about watching those scenes of the guys like on the computer the wife is like kissing him goodbye like i'm going to bed and he stays up to look at the computer because it was starting to resemble i was starting to get a little uncomfortable with how close this was i have a note saying this may be my life um so i do try to um you know i do try to observe the things that the the context clues that i see of these, these guys like you know all being divorced and being a you know someone who who's who's somewhat recently married i'm i'm, I'm trying to not uh fall into that same that same uh, boat yeah this this um, movie didn't uh it didn't copy our pilot it copied your life 
you know? Yeah, yes. It was, it was getting a little too close for comfort, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so the next, uh, so so we meet the scumbag brother-in-law. We don't we don't quite get to the bat scene yet. First, we have a scene where uh, Roy goes to work, um, and we see him leaving work on his lunch break, and he runs into his boss. Um, yep. Roy works in just a generic office, um, and so he runs into his boss. And, uh, you know, his, him and his boss have kind of a back and forth. And he calls his boss Sir. Um, yep. And so that, that I thought that was, like, a little weird because it's, like, if you consider Roy's age, Roy is, like, almost 50. He's maybe, I guess, in the context of the movie, like, late 40s. I would guess 47 or 48. Um, mm-hmm. But, but like, you know, I, I don't think that he would be calling his boss Sir because that would just be weird, especially in the year <laughs> 20 – especially in the year 2016 – um, you know, it's not 1960 anymore. This isn't Mad Men. Like, you know, it, it, the cool thing now is like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're all on like a first name basis here. And it's like an open door. And like, really, like, there's like no hierarchy. So it's like, yeah, nobody, nobody would call the boss, sir. Um, so that that was like a little bit weird. Um, also, when they, they go back to Roy uh, in the office a little bit later, his job, Jeremy, I'll say this. Like he just he works in some small cubicle and I think they make some reference to like his coworkers like working in insurance. So maybe he works at like an insurance company, but he works in this like small little cubicle and like his job and like the fact that he calls his boss sir and stuff like those things are not consistent with the type of lifestyle that he has. Like he has like he has like a great house with a with a finished basement and he can yeah. he can afford to just drop six hundo on a on a bat like an autographed bat from a baseball yeah. player. Um, but yet, like he works in this tiny little little cubicle. Um, you know, I'm honestly like the guy who like works a job like. I mean, hey, I'm saying it because I I work I used to work a job like that. Like a guy yeah. a guy who works a job like that, like you know, he'd be getting the the Bruce Willis protagonist treatment. You know, just going to, going home alone to a shitty apartment every night. And eating a TV dinner uh, and his wife beater and going to bed, you know, like yes. that's 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 the type of lifestyle that this guy should should probably have. But instead, he's got this other one. So like his job doesn't seem consistent with the life he with the life he lives. No, no, and and also the the relationship between him and the boss seems a bit imbalanced too, because like he calls him sir, and like he seems to be like portraying his 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 job as like a working stiff a little bit. Um, or just, I just, I don't know. Just he's, he's, he seems like, you know, downtrodden a bit, but the boss is like trying to be like his friend and stuff <laughs> like, but they don't really play that up for humor. Really. They just kind of use it as a vehicle for something that happens later on, um, in the, in the story. But, uh, but yeah, that scene, that first scene where he sees the boss, where he interacts with the boss, it was just very, it was very odd. Um, like the, the tone, like I couldn't really tell what the relationship was there. And, and I don't think that it was trying to be ambiguous. I think it was supposed to be pretty clear and yeah so it kind of makes sense later but like it didn't need to be like it didn't need to foreshadow anything it was it was odd um but uh but yeah so so that was weird so then like yeah so after that scene uh we see him he goes on lunch break and then they both go to uh the house uh to, to to look at the bat i will say that they show yeah they show them both before that they show them both contacting this this craigslist ad and i was originally or 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 uh, immediately I was thinking like, why doesn't one person, why doesn't that, why doesn't the person on the other end of the fi- phone ever say like, uh, yeah, there is someone else coming to look at it just so you know. Um, like she almost like sets up this, like, you know, like, uh, showdown for her own, like bizarre amusement. Um, <laughs> so, 
so yeah so the the guys both show up at the house at the same time and they like look at each other and like oh uh, are you coming here to see the bat uh and they're like, yeah i was going too and like it's like okay well i guess we'll go look at the bat then and um but it's also like completely like gentlemanly too like this whole the, the whole like rivalry quote-unquote rivalry between these two guys is like after you, good sir. No, after you, good <laughs> sir. Would you take the bat, sir? No, you take the bat. And like, it's very. It was. It's like they. You know, it does. It does get a little contentious for like a, a second later on. But it's like there were so many moments here where like I'm like, when are these guys gonna like? When is this gonna come go into like a, a all, like a knockdown drag out like feud for this bat? And so uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but. Um, yeah, so uh, so they go into the house. They um, an old lady answers Lois, um, and um, she she's like, "Oh, come right this way. Here's I'll show you the bat and whatever." And like, um, she's showing him the bat, and like, you know, they're like, uh, I think Roy maybe is the first one to say like, um, "How much do you want for this bat?" And uh, she's like, "How much are you willing to spend or something?" And like. So then they get into like a mini bidding war. And so like they go like 200, 250, they keep upping each other. And then like, they're like, they're trying to be gentlemanly about it, but then they keep, they, neither one backs down. They keep raising it up. It gets up to like $500 or 550 or something. Then a phone call comes in and a random guy is like, she's the woman's like, I have someone on the phone who will pay $650. And then like, so the guys, like neither one wants to back down. And, you know, and again, one guy is like, you could tell he's kind of like sentimental a little bit already. The other guy is just kind of like looking to flip it. Um, and uh, they decide to grant decides to like just, hey, let's split it. So we own it and then figure out how to do it. Like the lady actually says, like, why don't you guys play baseball for it? Or something? It's just kind of thrown out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a couple things there, Jeremy. First of all, like you mentioned before, like why wouldn't she just tell the guys that somebody else is coming to look at it? Um, what she could have done was just like scheduled one appointment for 11 a.m. and then yeah. another another one for 11:30. Uh, yes. So that would have avoided any conflict. But hey, I guess you know we wouldn't have a movie then. But also, this guy who in the middle of the bidding war calls her up and offers her $650. Jeremy, I think it was like her, you know, she mentions her nephew is the one who like posted it at the Craigslist ad. Yeah, yes, I want to yes. say like her nephew was in the other room like listening and he just like made yeah. a call on his cell phone and was like, all right, all right. So like, you know, just say that I'm offering you 650 so these guys like bring their uh, bring their thing up. Like I like yeah, the- Yeah, totally. I, I like, bid. I like the idea of like this this uh, like old like lady character being kind of like a grifter and just like basically fucking, fucking with these guys. And later yeah. on, you will find out that she absolutely did. Like she completely ripped these guys off. But that, you know, we're yeah. getting ahead of ourselves, but well, yeah. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, 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 let's say that. But like, I, I have a note here that says, this lady is pissing me off already. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, like- um, I mean, like, yeah, like, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, uh, um, the lady seems pretty fucking cutthroat. And like, I think this lady is at least based, I think she's based on a real person too, which we'll, we can talk about later. <laughs> um, so like, uh, I don't know, but this lady, yeah, is a total asshole. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, uh, so they buy, they like buy the bat 
and then like they like they don't trust the other person to hold it so they ask the lady to hold on to it and um they like leave and like so like yeah they're they were like saying like oh well you know like the grant was saying he was like again couldn't be more gentlemanly about it he's like uh you know we'll find a way to figure that we'll we'll find a way to work this out it's like why did you just back off like i feel this is another thing is like it seemed like there was a lot of places where grant should have just backed off and let the guy have the bat because clearly he wanted it more than Grant, I feel. Yeah, um, and if if Grant if Grant is a, actually like a memorabilia dealer, he probably knows that this Norman Cash autographed baseball bat isn't worth well, a whole hell of a lot. What well, were you thinking? It, what were you thinking it would have been worth, Jeremy? A hundred dollars, maybe. Okay. I mean, in, in in reality, that's the whole thing, though, because like we're living in a world where like Norm Cash is like Babe Ruth. So right. I guess, I guess it is like, I guess $600. If you think about a Babe Ruth bat, $600 is, is like, you know, nothing. Right. Um, but I, I didn't really know how they were portraying it and it's never really clear. And maybe they're, they're kind of banking on two anal assholes like us, not wa- like watching <laughs> it and, and picking it apart. Like the random person doesn't know if Norm Cash is real or great or mediocre or fringe hall of fame. Um, and so like, so yeah, so I guess, you know, there's, there's that whole thing. And I admit that like, we're the bad, we're the wrong people to show something like that too, because we're like, "Mm, actually Norm Cash was, you know, it's like, he's probably a hundred dollars worth, like not six fifty, and like, but anyway, it's like you said though, Jeremy, you know, with the, it was like with the Bill Ripken fuck face card, like, you know, we, we did it too for our pilot. So, um, you know, I'm willing to, yeah, we're definitely willing to. Uh, forgive and forget on that one, but but so I they. Think the, I think the fuckface card is a little cooler than. Cash, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, but yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah. Uh, but the the I guess the real real point of this scene is that after they buy the uh, bat from the lady, the lady says, well, "Why don't you play baseball against each other?" So they decide. Yes, yeah. They decide to challenge each other to a baseball game. So the next scene we have uh, after they part ways um, from the lady's house is that they get back together again. At some weird undisclosed location. Um, yes, yeah, it's it's almost like a mob meetup or something, it is. like a warehouse or like a by the docks or something. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It's like why why didn't one, why didn't one of these guys just go over to the other guy's house? Why did they have to like For, meet in yeah. some weird area? So that was that was weird. Totally. And then they each have a guy with them. Grant has uh, Teague with him. Yeah. And uh, Roy has uh, some one of his like the comic relief schlub friends Clark. with him. What? What's his name, Clark, Jeremy? Clark is his name. Clark. Clark. Okay. I, I, so I like this guy, Clark. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Clark was a character. One of my Definitely one of my favorite characters. Definitely good comic relief. And, like, Clark is all in on playing baseball. He almost seems like kind of a lonely guy. He's like, oh, man, thanks so much for inviting me. Like, I'm so excited. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of, like, sad. But Clark is, <laughs> Clark is all in on this game. He kind of uh, starts a rivalry with Teague. A little bit yeah. like they kind of start yeah, trash talking yeah they kind of start giving each other a little shit and then it's clark's idea to like have it be seven on seven and um uh and and he it's also clark's idea to get like a, a third party to hold the bat i think and also have that person be the umpire i think that was that oh. was clark's idea as well okay um so yeah so yeah they have this they have this meeting um where they decide to play they decide it's going to be seven on seven they discuss the uh you know the the rules of the, what the game is going to be, and then they decide that there's going to be an umpire. But yeah, my big takeaway from this scene is that it's it's held like a mob meeting, which I, I'm not sure if that was totally. for comedy or just like, oh yeah, this type of scene should take place uh, in this <laughs> in this kind of area. I don't know. I liked it though. I thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was good. I I was just saying like like from a um, 
from like a writing standpoint, like having that like lackey character that like that second guy like is really fun to work with. Like you can you can funnel like a lot of jokes through that character and like they can be still they can be goofy and, you know, they can they can like say the dumb stuff that like your main character maybe shouldn't say or something if you want to give them credibility. Um, So that's always a fun thing. And they had they had two to work with and honestly they they kind of use that for a lot of the other guys on the teams as well um i was gonna say really quick too just about like the whole thing about deciding to play the baseball game like that happened very early on in the movie like we were like it was like 15 minutes into the movie i feel it was where this is like kind of the stakes were were laid out or raised uh you know and laid out there um so uh so yeah so like yeah so so there was still a lot of film left to go um at that point yeah it, it does get right to the point and, and uh we'll, we'll get to this in a moment but even even the first version of the baseball game is played a half hour into the hour and a half movie so i was like huh mm-hmm. this is this is interesting it's kind of getting getting right to the point here uh which is yeah. nice so um so yeah after they uh after they leave the uh the mob the mob meeting um they go home to their respective so's again grant and, and roy do and Grant's, uh, Roy, rather, Roy's wife is super excited for him. Um, yeah. You would think, like, an, a normal wife would be like, you know, <laughs> you just spent, like, $300 on a on a, an old bat you don't even own, and now you're going to play baseball on Saturday? Like, you know, we need to, you know, we need to, like, uh, buy a new washer and dryer on Saturday. Like, you know, you wasted all the money for that, and we have an, we have an, an important errand to run. Like, you're going to fucking play baseball? But like, you know, she's super excited about it. She's like, oh, this is so great for you. I'm so glad you're doing it. No, I, my note, Jack, is wife is very supportive. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess we find out why she's so supportive later. But like, sure. uh, you know, it's like, Jesus, man, like she has n- she has no problem with this guy just like, you know, sneaking off in the middle of the night to meet his friends to like challenge each other to a baseball game and like the fact that he's going to yep. spend all day like playing a baseball game and he just blew $300 on a bat he doesn't own. She's got no problem with any of it. She thinks it's great. Yeah. And even before that, uh like there's a scene where he tells her about how it went uh when they went to when he went to go buy the bat and I I had a note saying like if the wife was on his case about spending money, I definitely wouldn't be telling her about that whole debacle with the bat and the fucking $600 and whatever. Turns out that wasn't again. The money was never really a concern. I don't think. <laughs> Probably because yeah, they're they're. I don't know what they're doing, but they're living like in the lap of luxury. Like I don't know if she's the the heiress to, you know, whatever like uh, uh some potato chip company or something. Uh, but like, but yeah, like it, it it was never about the money really. Uh, we, you know, as we find out. Um, but uh, but yeah, like uh, yeah, definitely just like just just an outpouring of support uh for both of these guys from from their from their significant others but um but yeah so so that happens uh she com- he comes home she explains the baseball she's super happy or he explains it she's super happy for him then we get uh we get to meet joe next yeah Jack. uh so so are these uh, uh joe uh yeah he's the he's the umpire right his, his name yes. is okay so joe joe to me reminded me of again we're gonna say low rent here he was like a low low rent mike airman trout from breaking yep, bad yeah totally is that what you yeah, got like, as well from that yeah definitely like yeah he's he's got like that kind of like tough guy look but but old guy for sure i almost i was wondering if somehow the joe was a nod to joe madden because he, he's kind of goofy a little bit but um like he's he he's yeah definitely definitely like a baseball 
version, a suburban baseball version of, of uh, Mike Ehrman's show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if this if this movie had been a, had been bigger budget and it had been made with stars, I could I could see uh, what's that guy's name? What's that actor's name? Um. Ooh, isn't it like just Mike? No, I. What the hell's his name? Uh, I, it's it's totally escaping me right well, now. Well, uh, um, at, at yeah. any rate, I'll look it up here. But yeah, I could totally see him, um, you know, playing that role. And uh, Jonathan Banks. Uh, Jonathan Banks, right? Yeah, I, I knew it was some kind of unremarkable name. And that, that yeah, I'll say yeah. this: that actor does not look like a Jonathan Banks. Um, no, it does not look like what his name should be. But and anyway, um, so yeah, they meet this guy. He's kind of goofy. And one thing I like about this dude is that he's just—he's all about the money. He's like—he's like, you know, they—they—they yeah. they, uh, they talk about what the rules are gonna be, and he's like, "All right, so where's my money?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he's like, he's like, "Yeah, I got no problem holding the bat or whatever." And then they even say like, "How do like?" So they give him. He's like, "I'll take half now," or like they're like, "We'll give you half now and then half afterwards." He's like, "Yeah, okay," and like. <laughs> Uh, and then he just like walks. He, he like yells at them. He's like, "I wish you guys would have told me <laughs> that parking was so bad around here. Like I had to walk three blocks." Um, <laughs> and uh, which was kind of just like a throwaway kind of like line, basically. Um, and so they basically they just give him the. It's like so. This is another random meeting thing, but it looks like they they're meeting him. Oh yeah, I guess because they had to go pick up the bat from the old lady and then give it to Joe. Um, so they met at the old lady's house. Um, but um, so they give the bat to Joe. Joe like leaves with the bat and and like three hundred dollars, whatever. Um, or no, they actually don't say how much money it was. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, but pay, they're paying they're paying a hell of a lot of money for this bat. You know, they're paying oh, yeah. they're paying that guy, and then they're they're paying for the bat itself, and then they're paying this guy. I I, I, yeah. I don't think they do say how much money they're paying him. No, it looked like they gave him a twenty. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm thinking maybe they both gave him a twenty. Cause like, cause they also make a point of not saying how much it was. Cause Grant says to Roy, he's like, do you got the money? Do you have the money that I asked you to bring? And then they, then they show an insert of them slapping some money into his palm. And uh, it looked like a 20. So I assume they both gave him like 20 bucks or something. Uh, anyway. Um, but then Joe like leaves. And I was like, they did establish Joe as kind of like a eccentric, but I feel like they missed more chances to, to make him like a true goofball. Um, but uh but um, yeah, so Joe leaves, whatever, and then they're like, you know, I guess they're like, uh, all right, well, you know, the game will happen, whatever. Uh, Roy does have a funny line. He just says like, I don't like any of this, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. I thought that was like a funny line. It's like finally someone was like, I, I was, it, it definitely like the, 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 it was definitely like pleading for someone to comment on just the storyline because you know it's it's a stretch, um. But it's also, you know, you have to write a plot, a movie, whatever. I get it. So, like, but it was just begging for someone to, like, say, like, what are we doing? We're two grown men here. Like, we're going to play a baseball game. Like, no one ever really says that. No. Like, yeah. So Right around this time also, Jeremy, we um, we meet uh, Teague's bros. Um, yeah. So these, these, are, these are the guys that are going to be playing on the team with, uh, with Grant. Um, so they're the younger guys. So there's a scene where they're all drinking beer together, like Teague, his two friends, um, Grant, and uh, 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 the the wife. What was the wife's name? Or the the fiance? Uh, I, it, I I don't remember. Yeah, I I, I don't remember either. Uh, Maybe they never even. Rachel. 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 Okay. I, I have the IMDb up here, but Rachel. I, yeah, it was never really a big part of it. Right. Right. Um. So yeah, they're they're all hanging out, and like, there's one of the guys. Uh, uh, clearly has a crush on Rachel and like keeps yeah. creepily hitting on her. 
Yeah. Um, and they even they even make a reference to like the fact that he like uh, like ate ate like dog shit or something because Rachel told him <laughs> to. I, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. But like you know, they're kind of just ripping on this guy. So this, like you said, Jeremy, this is more instances where like uh, you know they kind of use the other characters to say all the all the goofy stuff. Um, right. And like yeah, so all of these guys are kind of comic relief. Uh, and like these, um, this team, I think it's, it's supposed to be the heels. Like these guys are the, uh, you know, um, Roy's team is the underdog and they kind of established these guys as like the bro like douchey heel kind of guys. They, they make reference to like, they're like, Oh, guess we're going to be playing baseball again. Like they were like, they were a team at some point, I guess. And then when, when they show up for the game, you see, they're all wearing like ath- real athletic gear and like matching like shirts essentially. And like. So, yeah, it turns out, I, I mean, I guess, like, they were on a college team or they were on a pickup team or something. I don't know. But, like, um, yeah, it was it was odd. Like, um, but the, the one thing that struck me odd about that whole thing about, like, the friend and the and the fiance is, like, it almost seemed like because, like, they come to the door and he says something like, I guess he says something like, where's Teague's hot sister or something like that. Yeah. Um, And, like, I was, like, thinking, like, it, it was almost like. It, he was meeting her for the first time, but like the, like there, it's his sister's, it's his friend's sister. So like, they've must have known each other for years. But he's like, he's, he's coming on to her like it's the first time he ever met her. And I'm just like thinking like, so every time she's he sees her, he's like doing that. It was just, it's got to be just, just horrible. It was just like <laughs> completely tiring and just yeah annoying. Um, but she but she like takes his, it yeah. like a like a champ though. She just like doesn't care. She does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, nor does Grant really like, he's kind of like, come on, man, like whatever. But like, he never really, you know, I would say, get the fuck out of my house. You fucking creep, you know, like, but, uh, n- that was never said, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, so, Jeremy, I, one, one comment I was going to say is like, both of the main characters are, uh, you know, Hey, they're beta cucks, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? So like, maybe that's, a yeah, li- no, that, that's so. too harsh, but it's like, well. you know, again, like these two guys are like, just like kind of schlubs who you, you have a, uh, you know, you have a tough time rooting for, um, you know, both of them. Uh, yeah. So that I, you know, I, I think Grant maybe should have asserted himself a little bit, but also it's like, maybe, maybe, you know, him and Rachel have talked about this guy before and it's like, this guy is just too pathetic and like too much of a clown to even like, to even make a big deal out of it. Um, I guess so. And, yeah. and I, I guess he is, uh, you know, he is doing Grant a solid by like playing on his team. So there, there is one funny line where those guys are talking and like they're, they're talking about a third guy who isn't there. And they're like, yeah, where's Jeff tonight? And, and then they're like, <laughs> yeah, Jeff had to take care of his wife tonight. Like, oh, yeah, yeah it's like, all right, guys. All right. Um, and then Teague's like, yeah, that's why I'm not married. I'm living the dream. Uh, <laughs> good. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Um, so we finish, uh, so we finish that scene, we get introduced to the bros, um, we met the umpire, and now, now we see the scene in Roy's office where his boss basically begs him to play. Yeah, he's like, I've heard, I heard stories about this baseball game going on, and it's like, I want in, basically, you know, he's like, yeah. And he tries to tell him, like, um, you know, like, oh, we're actually, like, we have enough players or whatever, and he, he says something, like, he's like, Oh, I, I gotta have my wife like find my glove or something. He says something before that, and then like uh, Roy kind of like uh, you know break like gives in and says like, all right, you know whatever, uh, you can you know you can be on the team. I forget exactly how that exchange went down, but 
he he he's he's hesitant at first. He is, and and the boss even makes reference to. Uh, he's like, yeah, the Daves told me about that. So like, I right. think yeah, those yeah. two guys are both named Dave, which is, I mean, that's yeah. an obvious reference to Office Space, you know, with, where they've got sure. the, the two Bobs. Um, yeah. So yeah, it seems like Roy has, you know, he doesn't have like a team of bros he's played baseball with. So he's like trying to recruit people from his office. So even right there, you know that his team is going to be a little bit worse off than, uh, than Grant's team. Um, and yeah, so totally. we final, so just like a half hour into the movie, we get to the first, the first uh, iteration of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we see, uh, that's where we see like the matching uniforms and all that stuff. Um, uh, Grant's character, this is one observation I had. Grant's character is wearing like, um, kind of like this like gray hat with like a black brim with like a howling dog on the, on the front as the logo. And I, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's an Jack. I'm pretty sure that was an Arizona Fall League uh, desert dogs oh, hat. Jesus Christ! Now I know. Now um, I know why you love this movie so much, Jeremy. <laughs> right. Um, but I had to like look it up, and like I'm like I couldn't see, I couldn't find that like exact design, but like I'm pretty sure that that's what that was. Um, but uh, but yeah, so like yeah, I mean we're just like. Roy is pitching. It's like the top of the first. I guess Roy's team was the home team uh, because uh, Grant's team was batting first, and Roy's pitching. And Roy is kind of like giving his best, like Ed Harris, like kind of like rubber armed, uh, kind of like pitcher guy. Um, and they're just bashing his brains in. Yeah, like they're just crushing balls in the outfield, like like double, double, like over the outfielders' heads. The guys, the hapless guys on Roy's team, are just like bumbling into each other, like they're. There's like they keep hitting it through the hole, <laughs> um, like between short between second and third, um, and like the 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 boss is playing third base. Um, you know, again, like also, you know, you're supposed to hide your bad player like in right field, uh, but he was playing third base for some reason, and um, yeah, he looked like uh, he looked like Ryan Braun out there at third base. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not been couldn't bend over at all, um, and uh, they're just getting their brains bashed in, and it's the top of the first inning, like. I think they said it was nine. They scored nine runs in the top of the first. Yeah, it was. Like, uh, it was like that Carlos Rodon outing we saw like five or six <laughs> years ago. You know, where they, where they pulled him in the first inning. Um, yeah, exactly. I actually think Grant strikes out as one of the outs of the of the top of the first. Um, but uh, which is like, why would you even write that in? Like, you got all these guys bashing like Roy's head in, like as a pitcher, and like they let this guy, um, you know. Uh, strike out so i don't know like yeah, it, it well, seems I, I like, like that oh go ahead oh yeah i was gonna say i like that grant kind of sucks at baseball like that's like part of his character like you like you always see him like making out maybe not so much in the second game that they end up playing uh which we'll get to a little later but yeah like they you know they kind of they kind of imply that like he's like the worst player on the team yeah I, yeah I, I i think that's fair i mean they don't make him like hapless completely hapless like no he makes like no. a couple plays but like, but yeah, I think I guess comparatively he's he's probably like the worst guy on the team. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, so so they're like bashing his brains in, like it's like nine nothing, um, and uh, but still like you know, it's like it still wasn't that bad. Like um, uh, like no one there was no real tension really. Like Roy was like I think getting frustrated because they were getting like just beat down but like i don't know i don't know so it, it was just like 
it was it was painful. It actually reminded me, Jack, of the the one time I started a, a game as well. Like I also like my coach made me. I think I might have t- told the story on the podcast, but I showed up to the game once. I was a lefty. My coach really liked me because I was a lefty. I showed up to the game. He's like, "Hey, Jared, you're starting today." I'm like, "What?" And like I never expressed any interest of wanting to pitch at all ever. And he he started me, and like I went out there, and I just like I know I don't think I ever gave up. Like I have an infinity ERA because I don't <laughs> think I ever got an out, but I gave up like six runs or something. And he finally came and pu- and pulled me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, uh, just, just, just a, a drubbing there in the top of the first. I'll say this, Jeremy, I was thinking of this when I was watching this movie and especially when I was th- during the game scenes, uh, we played baseball at your, at your bachelor party and mm-hmm. Hey man, like when, when a bunch of dudes like in their thirties, like get together and play ba- <laughs> and play baseball, uh, yeah. for the first time in years a, it's ugly, and B, it's really hard, man. Like baseball is yes. hard. Like if you don't if you don't play it at all. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I I can only imagine like how sore these dudes were after that game. Like I I just I remember like we played at your bachelor party for probably about two hours. You know, hour and a half, two hours, and mm-hmm. I think we were all ready to be done when we were done. Yeah. Like it was it was super fun, but at the end of it, like. We were all pretty freaking tired, man. That was that was hard. Yeah, and it was and it's dangerous too. I mean, like I I like hit my my friend Scott in the leg, gave him like this like grotesque like blood bruise on his like leg. Um, uh, I think Scott hit a comebacker and hit my hit Mark Bubblebath in the back, <laughs> who like yeah. was okay. He actually somehow was okay from that. I was pitching to you and I was just afraid. This is after the injuries. I was just afraid. I'm like, Jack, just please don't hit me. Like, and like, I was like, I would like throw the ball and then like put the glove over my face basically. Cause like, I just didn't want to get hit. Like, especially like two weeks out from my wedding. Well, um, and I was afraid that yeah. I was going to hit a comebacker and hit you. Like I didn't want, yeah. I didn't want that to happen either. And I'll say this. Yeah. I, I don't think in all my little league days, I ever faced a lefty. So like, that was like, <laughs> that was like the first time I ever faced a lefty it, and it, fuck, it fucked with me, dude. Jesus Christ. It was like, it's like I was facing Chris sale up there or something. God damn. Yeah, totally. That's funny, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for sure. Uh, real quick, Jack, I, yeah. a couple, a couple observations I forgot about before the, the first inning even starts. Um, they're, uh, they, they, they try to figure out who's the, that's what it was. They were trying to figure out like who the home team was and who the away team was, I think. And they flipped a coin. And uh, this was just a weird thing. I almost feel like someone like like punched this this line up or someone like maybe it was an ad lib or something. But like some guy, they're like, let's flip a coin. And like so someone like takes out a, a Susan B. Anthony coin and they flip it. And like the two guys from uh, Grant's team um, – they were they're like standing on the sidelines and like the one guy goes like man this guy whipped out a susan b anthony <laughs> like, yep. and then like and then the the, the sleazy like creepo guy goes like Psh, white people <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's yes. a legit funny yeah it's a like a legit funny joke but it also kind of came out of nowhere it was like i think it was the funniest thing in the whole movie yeah uh yeah and definitely like very inconsistent with the rest of the the movie's humor um, yeah. uh, so that was, yeah, that was, that was super funny. That was a good joke. Um, also we should note that, uh, the only two audience members, uh, or the only two fans in the stands yes. at this, at, well, they're playing at a little league park, but they are the, uh, Grants and Roy's, uh, uh, significant others. 
Um, yeah. So the yeah. Doting wives and doting girlfriends. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so apparently none of these other guys like invited anybody or like nobody could make it. So it's just those two uh, in the in the stands. And so like they yeah. become they become fast friends. And uh, you know by the end of it. Uh, by the end of this first game. So we should say that the game eventually gets called after the first inning because uh, some umpire from, like, an actual Little League game shows up and said, like, hey, guys, you know, we got Little League uh, in a half hour here. You guys got to get out of here, which right. is, like, definitely which, a legitimate concern when you want to play in a baseball field. It's like, oh, no, man, is anybody playing today? I actually felt like that was the most authentic part of the whole movie, Jack. It's <laughs> like, like – I, there's been so many times where me and my my goofball friends have been like at a park playing on a diamond, like just fucking around, and some some fucking guy comes up. I I almost think he was a coach, like just fucking some some guy in his like early fifties comes up and is like, "Hey guys, uh, there's a game starting here in a half hour. You guys all got to clear out." And then we're like, "Oh, okay, fine, cool, great." And it's like that that feeling of just like, "Ah, fuck you," you know. And it's like <laughs> it's not necessarily their fault. It's like you know, but like it's like. That always happens. You go to a park. We were afraid of that happening. We were at my bachelor party. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that. That's happened to me so many times where the guys like, "Hey guys, you got to clear out of here." It's like, ah, oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> um, one more funny joke about at the beginning before they start as well. After they flip the coin and like Grant's team, I guess wins for first at bat. Grant says like, I think Grant says like, "Well, play ball." And like Joe, the umpire, made a funny face. Like he opened his mouth like he was about to say something, and I, I didn't realize what he was doing at the time. But then he goes like, hey, I'm the umpire. I say play ball. <laughs> and like, and that was it. And then they just like move on from there. But it was another like kind of like joke. It came right after the Susan B. Anthony joke. Uh, but I thought that was funny as well. Um, and that's kind of like, eh, I guess Joe, Joe maybe has one more moment in the in the game but or in the, in the movie. But uh, but yeah, that was just uh, another moment there for, for, for good old Joe the umpire. No, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was a good one, Jeremy. And then I like something that made me laugh. I guess this is, this was probably unintentional comedy, but the, at the end, so yeah, you have the doting, uh, the doting significant others, um, and they become friends and they decide to exchange numbers. And, uh, and then one of them says to the other, they're like, uh, Hey, let's yes. go, let's go to yoga or brunch. Now, Jeremy, I don't know. I don't Hey, I don't know anything about women. But I, I think they I think they do more than than go to yoga and, and do brunch, you know? Um, yes. Yeah, it was it was definitely just out of nowhere. I almost I actually, though, it almost had the feeling like they ad libbed that line. I don't know. Like, I don't. Right. Th th yeah, this you know, is true for sure. Yeah. But I don't maybe, you know, who knows? I mean, we'll talk about the we have one more observation about the wives, even though we've we've, we've kind of teed up already. But like, um. But yeah, like it, it was just like, yeah, like, oh, brunch. Yeah. Oh, to yoga. How about yoga? Like it was just <laughs> kind of like, oh, man, like it's like, all right. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it in the next uh, observation here. But um, but yeah, so that, that was that was odd. That was an oddball right there, too. Um, let's see. So they like they leave. Uh, so so then they're like they're, the guys kicks him out. And then he's like um, Grant and like his team are like, well, hey, you know, it's kind of slaughter rule. You know, we got a whole full inning in like as if that was like enough. Like they're they were kind of making the point that like they played an inning. It was slaughter. Let's just call it. We won. And um, Roy actually says like, no, that's bullshit. And it's I think it was the first swear of the whole movie, which I was like, I was very keyed in on. Like I was like, you know, for a baseball movie, even like the most I don't know. I mean, I guess you have like your 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 family friendly baseball movies, but like. I mean, even like movies that are supposed to be like for for like 
families have kind of like some are can be have some scenes where it's a little rough around the edges. Um, but he says bullshit in it. And then he's like, no, like, you know, we have to finish the game. And he's like, let's meet here next week. Or they, they're like, they talk to the, 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 the coach and they're like, uh, is, does this happen every week? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, what about next Saturday? And he's like, yeah, he, he's like, but next Saturday we're, we're meeting early. And he's like, when are you going to be done? And he's like, around noon. And he's like, all right, afternoon. <laughs> like, who's free? And then, and then everyone's like, yeah, well, I'm free. I'm free. Whatever. Like everyone is free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> magically they just know their schedule like they don't have to look at their phones or anything they're just free and they're like all right next week we'll finish this game um so then they 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 part ways the wives make yoga plans whatever they're they're in the parking lot everyone's leaving and the 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 coach or the uh boss talks to roy and he's like rubbing his arm and he's like yeah roy uh i don't know if i'm gonna be free next week uh i got an errand to run with the wife or whatever and like he clearly is like defeated at this point like like leaving with his tail between his legs and um so he's like he's out all right and so so um yeah so like grant like now is like a man down basically yeah yeah so yeah roy roy will have to find a, another player and and oh oh does he ever but um yes uh, that, that'll come a little bit later so basically the next scene we have now is uh so the we know that the wives have exchanged numbers so they decide to have dinner together uh these two um these two warring uh, uh factions like fighting over a bat the Montagues and the I don't I don't know the other one from Romeo Capulets. and Juliet yeah, yeah the Capulets um, yeah but so they, they decide to become friendly and break bread or at least the, the wives do so they get together and they have dinner with each other um, and so they're you know they're they're sitting at this at the table at Roy's uh, you know nice house and they're having a, it looks like post meal like wine. And um, they're just kind of talking. Mm-hmm. They're they're shooting the bull about like how like Roy and uh, you know his wife got together and how long the other two have been dating and the fact that they're not married. Like, but they have kind of an awkward conversation about mm-hmm. it. They're like, you know, they're like, oh well, you know, we're still we're just waiting, whatever. Yeah. Like, just kind of hangs in the air there. And then so then the the wives are like, all right, yeah. you guys, why don't you go down to the bar? Like, Roy, why don't you show Grant the bar? We want to like talk about you behind your backs. So like that's like a convenient right. excuse for like you know, the, the men and the women to split up. So we get the scene where the men are yeah. in the and Roy's man cave, uh, his finished basement talking about like, you know, their love of baseball. And, uh, you know, we hear a little bit about yeah. Norman cash, but then we get the, the much, much better scene, uh, upstairs of the wives <laughs> talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Jack. And, um, <clears throat> yeah. So this is where the, the, the character arc, I would say of the, of the wives comes like, like, full full circle here where like um so in filmmaking um <clears throat> there's a thing called the Bechdel test um I've you know I so I'm a teacher I'm a film teacher I um I've taught my my students about the Bechdel test before because I'm trying to you know uh create a more thoughtful screenwriter out there um but basically the Bechdel test it was named after like an illustrator I've like a, a like a cartoonist or graphic novelist uh, a female graphic novelist um who like made the observation that like <clears throat> in most movies when uh there's two female characters on screen um like most of the time they're like talking about a man uh they're not like talking about anything to do with their own lives they're always talking about like the male ca- character basically am i essentially phrasing that right jack to your understanding yes uh yeah you absolutely absolutely you are yes yeah. And so like so she she came up with this thing called the Bechdel test, which is like 
you know, does the movie include a scene? Does it pass the Bechdel test? Meaning, does it have a scene where there's two female characters talking and they're not talking about a man? And this this movie um, gets a negative 100 on the Bechdel test because <laughs> the scene that that is them alone. I mean, at least they teed it up and said, we're going to talk about you behind your back as as a joke. Right. But that's right. clear. That's all they did. They, it's like nothing. I don't know anything about Rachel. I don't know anything about. I don't even know the white the the other wives. We don't even know their names. Um, but like, no. we don't. We don't. We don't know what what Roy's wife does for a living. No. That's never established. I'm, I don't think. No, and I honestly, I missed that uh, the other one was uh, an attorney. So I don't even think that that was really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you there. you blink and you miss that one. Really. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and so like, um, <clears throat> so all they're doing is just like. Just just um, like fawning about their their men and like talking about like, I mean, I don't even remember exactly like they're just like, oh, yeah, he's so in a bit. I don't even remember exactly what they were talking about. All I know is that they were just talking about the guys. They were. Uh, I, I almost think it was like uh, it almost seemed like a commentary on the Bechtel test. Oh. It's like, let's just make let's just make Maybe, something yeah. that's so blatantly a failure of the Bechtel test that it's almost like turns itself up on its head. But like, possibly, yeah. I don't really think. I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not gonna give it uh, give it no. credit for that. Like that was. Uh, I, I mean, hey, like th- this was. You know, ultimately, it was like a you know kind of a sweet screenplay. It had some funny moments, but yeah. uh, th- this this could have used uh, this scene either should have been cut or it should have been rewritten a little bit. That was it, it was a little bit painful to watch. It's one of those. It's like it it could have used like a note to say like, hey, let's push ourselves a little bit. Like if I. If I was reading that, one of my students wrote that, I'd be like, let's, let's, why don't you, I'm going to push you a little bit to like write to develop these female characters a little more, I think. Um, and, you know, I, it, I, male, I, it seems like male screenwriters a lot of times have trouble writing about female characters. I understand that that's like a thing. Um, they talk about it on Seinfeld, on Seinfeld when they're trying to write the pilot. Uh, when Jerry and George are trying to write the pilot, they're like, I can't write for a woman. Like, you know, they, it's like, it's a thing that's like acknowledged, but like, yeah, that that's one where like we should have pushed it a little further. Um, but, uh, and I've tried to, I've, I've written scenes like that and I've tried to push myself like, you know, to, to not do that. One of the things that they do say, like, I think they're maybe talking about like, I think the wife is talking about how she maybe fell in love with Roy or something. She, she does at one point say like, he looked like a young, young Tom Selleck. Yep, uh, there you, and that, that's I, that's what I had been thinking. I mean, I guess it was just yeah. the mustache. Even his voice, though, and the way he talks, like he sounds a little bit like Tom Selleck. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she did compare him to Tom Selleck at one and, point. And then uh, Rachel says, "Who's Tom Selleck?" Right? Yep. Yeah. 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 So I thought uh, that that was I, I I did appreciate that because the other thing is like there's a clear age gap between the the wife and the girlfriend. Yep. Um but they become like best friends. I mean, we'll talk about like the, yeah. the culmination of their friendship at the end of the movie. Um, but like, but yeah, like it's kind of, yeah, it's like, it's weird how they become such fast friends and they are probably like 20 years apart in age, kind of at least 15 years apart in age. Absolutely. I and I, yeah, I do, I do appreciate that. Uh, Rachel did not know who, uh, Tom yeah. Selleck was as well. I thought that was that a was nice good. touch. Um, yeah. because like, Hey, Tom Selleck is kind of somebody who I, I, well, I guess he's still in the zeitgeist cause I think he was on, on blue bloods, but, um, you know, he's somebody who like, you, you know, has been a little bit lost for the ages. Um, although, uh, so yeah, so yeah, that was a, that was a fine joke. 
for sure. Um, and then, you know, there was a there was a nice enough scene between the men, like talking about Norm Cash and like what baseball like meant to them. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I, had, Gr- I had no no problems with that. No, Grant talks a story. I actually I appreciated too. Like Grant's story about baseball is that his mom uh, was the one who got him into baseball. And like even I mean, Roy does say like, not your dad, your mom. Um, to me, I appreciated that because my grandmother got me into baseball. So um I thought that was cool that they at least did that, you know, like they kind of tried to buck the uh, the stereotype a little bit in that scene. But like, but yeah, that, that scene was nice. Uh, like, you know, they're, they're talking whatever. Um, there's a scene where they start playing catch, I guess. Yep. Um, I can't remember exactly how they get to that point where they're playing catch. Um, it just, it basically just cuts to it, I think. Okay. Um, so they were, it, it almost seemed to me, they were like, Hey, do you want to like go out and play catch? So it's, it almost seemed like, you know, sort of a almost drunken, like, yeah, let's just go out and do this. Okay. Yeah. 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 So they're playing catch and they continue talking. And I think that's where like, uh, Grant finds out that, um, you know, Roy is down a player and he's like, Oh, well you need to find yourself another player. And Roy says like, yeah, I do. And we should also mention there's a scene where they're at the batting cages earlier on. And we see this kind of like <laughs> this mystery <laughs> hunk, like muscle guy, like in a batting cage next to them. And he, he goes into like the 70 mile per hour, uh, batting cage <laughs> and he's like crushing balls. And I think like, um, uh, the friend Clark sees him and he's like, Whoa, who's that? Or something. Yep. Um, and that was it. And then like it cuts away. So then, so then, uh, Roy, like, you know, they take note of that in that earlier scene, Roy goes back to the batting cages and he basically, he's honestly, the guy's in the batting cages. He just happens to be at the batting cage practicing. And Roy just goes up to the, the back of the batting cage and he's like, Hey, are you interested in playing in a pickup style baseball game? <laughs> and then it cuts and then it cuts and then, yeah. And so then it cuts to like, um, so he's, he's asked his muscle man to like, to be the, like the fill in guy. They show up back at the game a week later, Saturday, everyone's free. Um, uh, and they're like, all right, where's this guy? Like, you know, like, you know, he's like, he'll be here. Like he said, he told me he'll be here. And then I think Teague says like, you know, when a guy says he's about to be here, that means he's never showing up or something. And then like, you know, and then like clockwork, uh, muscle man walks in and he's like wearing like full gear and everything. And, um, he, we see his feet and he's wearing baseball cleats and they, they cut to, uh, one of the teammates of Grant and he says, dude, he's, or he's like, they're like, Oh man, he's wearing cleats. And then what is, what does Grant say, Jack? Oh Jesus, Jeremy! I, the the lines at the tip of my tongue. I okay. uh, said, so "You're." Doesn't he say you're a cleat? Or something? No, he's like, "Dude, he is a cleat." <laughs> 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 so I'm like, like that. That was funny in its absurdity. Uh, there's no way that they they were trying to make that into like a thing. It was just like, uh, it was just I I don't know. It's just a funny joke that like I think again maybe was like made up on on set that day. Um, so we meet this guy, Muscle Man. We find out that his name is Heinrich, but they call him. But he's like, but but I, but you can call me Hank. So yeah. like, I guess I get. You know, I was trying to figure out. So okay, I was trying to figure out, figure out character names, right? And so like, actually, I think Teague was a baseball player, like from the early 1900s. Um, maybe you could look that one up, Jack, if you, if you're available to. But sure. um, uh, like so so Roy, I I was thinking maybe it was named after Roy Hobbs. Uh, Robert yeah, that was character. what I, that was what I was thinking too. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Grant, I don't know who the hell Grant was though. Um, but and then clearly Hank is is Hank Aaron. 
I think Teague was a player, but they, uh, they like said a... they're uh, well. It says Charles Teague. Um, let me see. Uh, let me see here. Charles Teague. Um, yeah. Uh, that that's a little too obscure for him to be anybody. Uh, James Teague. Um, unless I'm spelling it wrong, but uh, yeah. Yeah, so... maybe I could be wrong, but um, and I don't know who Grant is really. So maybe maybe that theory doesn't check oh, out. Maybe, but... maybe some of them were though. Some of them weren't. It's like you know, Clark could have been like Will Clark. But, like, sure. I was definitely thinking Hank was, like, Hammer and Hank. You definitely. Know, like, yeah, Hank definitely. Aaron. Absolutely definitely. was. Um, so, yeah, this muscle man is, is great. First of all, uh, yeah, when they see him at the cage and he, he, he dials in the 70 on the batting cages, it's <laughs> yeah. like... 70s fast, but it's not that fast. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, right. but like, still, he's like this awesome dude. Um, also, it's like, no, just... no major league pitcher throws 70 miles per hour. No, no professional no. pitcher throws 70 miles per hour. Not since Bronson Arroyo retired, they did, they don't. True. Um, yeah, unless it's an EFIS pitch. <laughs> um, so yeah, so a, a couple things about this this muscle man, uh, Hank. He's he, uh, you know, he's a big tall guy. He looks like Triple H or something. Yeah, like yeah. he's got like a he's got like a man bun. Um, you know, and he's got the just the classic like big upper body, uh, and they stick him at third base. Now, Jeremy, I, in my notes, I wrote uh, uh, Hank is Eric Thames because like <laughs> I'll say yeah. this, Jeremy, like if if having really huge muscles helped you be good at baseball, yes, every single guy would have huge muscles, but no, yeah. like that's just Eric Thames's thing because like that's his look, like that's his yeah. gimmick. Um, but yeah, like being, having huge, like big ass muscles, like a professional wrestler does not make you a good baseball player or like a good basketball player. You don't see like basketball players just having these like ridiculously huge muscles. I mean, they're ripped, but they're not like, they don't look like action figures, you know? No, no. Yeah. And, and not the way this guy was ripped either. Like there's guys who are ripped, like even Mark McGuire, like, like obviously he was on steroids, but like he was ripped, like a strong guy, like old Heinrich was, was ripped like, like fucking like Tony little, like that, that weird, like, like a uh, calisthenic or that weird aerobics guy or like, or like triple H, like, like he was muscle bound and like he was too muscular to be, to, to have been good at baseball. Like, cause he wouldn't be able to like, he, I don't think he would have like the fast twitch reflex to, to hit a, a fastball. Like he was just too muscular, but, um, but yeah, so, so anyway. Yeah, like so it was it was this funny idea of like it's it's almost like someone had the wrong idea of what would make a good baseball player. Yeah. Um yeah. so you just you just get this this like this, you know, this muscle-bound meathead. And it was even funnier because they put him at third base. Yes, yeah. yeah um yeah. and then like, you know, the guys like backhanding a, a ground ball and like, you know, throwing uh throwing the first off balance like he's Brooks Robinson. Yes, but, like, yeah, yeah, that right. It just looks ridiculous because he's this big like triple H muscle man, like <laughs> yeah. like doing this and he's like he's catching these pop flies and stuff and like just yeah. like just easily like it's a can of corn and it looks silly and i'm not sure if that was again like if it, that was if it was unintentional comedy or if it was supposed to be funny because it's like he's this big muscular guy and he looks ridiculous but yeah. it made me la- it made me laugh either way i don't know yeah no he looks like you know nolan arenado like like shifting <laughs> past the line like throwing the ball like completely across the diamond like falling back um but he's like, yeah, he's just a big muscle dude. Um, no, I don't think, I don't think it was intentional, but like, um, but yeah, just some funny stuff there for sure. Um, but, uh, oh yeah. Okay. So then like, um, so then the game actually starts and they're playing and whatever. And there's actually a pretty good montage of like just gameplay, like of both teams doing well, honestly, both teams are just 
fucking crank like just crushing it. Yes. And um but I will say the first batter we see is 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 Hank. And I'm like, did they bat Hank lead off? Like he's supposed to be the power <laughs> guy. Like you got to bat him for you got to bat him clean up. But I think he led off the game and hit like a home run, like a leadoff homer. But it's like you just blew your chance of of four runs with a solo leadoff homer. Um so so that was like some misguided um strategy there. Um but there's this montage of both teams doing well and all of a sudden now like the bums like on uh on uh, Roy's team are are good and like the it's back and forth. Um you see like um Grant's girlfriend or fiance is keeping score and I think she, it's kind of funny the way she's keeping score. She's keeping score on a notebook with just like the tick marks. Yeah. Like the five, the the group of five tick marks. And um, I think the score was like 12 to nine at some point in favor of Grant, um, Grant's team. Uh, there is a moment in the montage where like one of the guys on Grant's team says like, hey, mustache ain't a bad pitcher. But it's like the score is 12 to nine. Like he's not a good pitcher. Like they've scored 12 <laughs> runs off of him. He's not a good pitcher. Um but uh, but yeah, so um, so that is kind of funny in the montage. Then the montage ends. The last part of the montage ends with another bizarre thing with the wives, uh, uh, where they're talking and they're like, "All right, so," uh, and she's like, "The one, the the wife is like, what? Why those three? Why those three? And she's like, "Sorry, those are the three that I picked. You gotta, you gotta pick." And she's like, "Okay, I guess I'd, um, kill Bill Gates, or no, I would like." I would like marry Bill Gates. I would kill the Pope and I would, whatever you said to the president. Yeah. She's <laughs> and, like, and I do that. And I do that other thing with the president. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And like, so they're playing fuck, Mary kill with the president, the Pope and Bill Gates. And a couple of things sprung to my mind. Cause then I'm like, cause I already had my inkling that this movie actually wasn't from 2020, but then I'm like, the president, I'm like, which president are they talking about? Cause that, that kind of matters a little bit. Like, I don't think they knew that when they shot this film, that how much that would matter. But like, are they talking about the, the president in 2016 or the 2014 or the president in 2020? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so anyway, a bizarre thing, but uh, Jack, uh, let me, let me pose this to you right now. F Mary kill the president current president the pope or bill gates what do you got jack jeremy i i i'm afraid that, that our uh you know that that they'll uh that apple will flag us for uh you sure know. the apple the secret service even the the vatican like someone will flag us if we give answers for that one i guess so <laughs> an apt dodge there i would say jack uh you're, that's good we're already deep into this episode so we can move on but uh the age-old question, fuck, Mary, kill, President, Pope, or Bill Gates. Um, we'll, we'll save that for another episode. We'll save that for, um, you know, if we ever get on Patreon, we'll uh, we'll make that a bonus episode. Um, one thing I do like about this montage, Jeremy, again, I thought it was kind of, like, touching, is that, like, throughout the course of this game, um, all these guys kind of start becoming friends with each other. Yeah. And, like, they start, like, fist-bumping each other and kind of, like, just giving each other shit in a playful way, like Clark and Teague, like... They- start becoming yeah. friends even though they're still kind of giving each other shit and so it's yeah. kind of nice like you kind of get to see like through this game these guys are just unexpectedly bonding and having a good time which is fun yeah. they they capture the first base chatter really well they do. um like there's a lot of chatter happening at, at first base um and uh yeah so i thought that was a cool thing that they that they did capture about baseball and then so speaking of chatter uh, at one point the douchey like creepy guy who's in love with uh, rachel um mm-hmm. on on grant's team is the first baseman 
and uh, uh, Hank makes it to first base on a single, and then so those two start some first base chatter, and uh, Hank, it is revealed to Hank that, uh, you know, th this whole game is being played because of an autographed bat, and Hank's yes. like, Hank's like, oh, interesting. Like, he's yeah. got some kind of inside information. Uh, it's a little weird that, like, he wasn't like, why are you guys playing this pickup game? He was just like, yeah, sure, I'll come play. Like, he had no idea what it was all about. Or, or why is there so much, like, um, <clears throat> why are the stakes so high for this seemingly, like, you know, harmless pickup game between, you know, two good gentlemen? Um, <laughs> I think he even says, like, something like, oh, I wish I, wish I knew that or something. He says something like that, I think, even. But at that moment, Jack, when, when he says about the, or he, you know, maybe he says like, oh, that's interesting to know. Like, you know, so I think he says that, but at that moment, Jack, I don't know if you were thinking the same thing I was, but I'm like, I wish that H Hank would have been revealed as the $650 bidder on the phone. Yes. That was yes. the, that was the same thing. I, I had the same thought, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, uh, and so, so then a little bit later, uh, they end up, they, they decide to take five before the very they last inning. Take they 10. Take yeah, 10. Take, they take 10. They take 10. They take 10. That's a 10-minute break, three question marks after it. Yeah. So they take a, they take a goodly while here. So they um, <laughs> the, ga the game is tied at 16, and so they decide to take a break before the very last inning. And during this break, the uh, uh, the, the umpire's car is broken into, and yeah. his, his bat, which was, I guess, covered with a towel, was, yep. uh, was stolen out of his yes. car. Um, and then they, so they accuse Hank of stealing it because he was the only one who like wasn't there or something when it happened. Yeah, Roy so, does. Or actually, no, no. The other guy, um, like it might be Teague even. He's like, who's the one guy who wasn't here? And like Hank. And then like, yeah. And so yeah. then he, then Hank does walk up and he's like, what? And, um, they're like, you know, where's the bat? Like, give it back. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Roy kind of goes nuts on him a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Hank goes. I don't need this. And then he walks yeah. away. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I guess that's, that's realistic. It's like, nobody's going to yeah. fuck with this guy. Nobody's going to try to fight him. And like, right. you're just like, yeah, well, fuck this. I don't know any of you guys. Anyway, I'm out of here. No, clearly, clear, that was, <laughs> it's like, I don't have to put up with this shit. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm leaving. But it's like, yeah, Hank could have been, it actually was kind of cool. Cause like Hank is like, it's one of those things where like the, you know, big guys say this all the time. They're like, you know, like they they ask him, like, do you ever get, you know, big guys get asked if they get in the fights a lot. And they're like, no, because I would kill the guy and I don't want to go to jail. So they like they end up walking away from more fights than they get into. But, you know, little guys want to get in fights with big guys. So I was going to say, Jeremy, like, like yeah. if you're a big guy, it seems like people pick a lot of fights with you. You know, yeah, no. Yeah. Because they want to like they want to beat the They want to like knock out the big guy. But like the big guys <laughs> like have to walk away from fights because they would kill those guys if they actually engaged in fights with them. So. I think it was cool that that Hank walked away. He's like, he was thinking like, I'll kill this fucking Roy guy. Like, I'll break him in half. But so like, I just gotta have to leave because I don't want to go to jail. And I honestly, <laughs> I felt bad for Hank because yeah. like he he just he volunteered his Saturday just to play baseball, just to like be nice and probably because he wanted to play. Yeah. And he was just he was down to like play this game with all these guys who were clearly shittier than he was at baseball. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like, and then they they go and they just spit in his face by accusing him of stealing. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like he got a raw deal, but then, so then eventually, like the game breaks up awkwardly because it's like it's a, you know a downer. Here's the big dramatic moment. Um, so everybody's like, all right, well the bat's gone, like let's just split. Um, but they all agree that they had fun, and so then it's just Grant and Roy at the baseball field, and uh, you know Roy's all upset, 
and like he still wants to he still wants to play. So Grant pitches, uh, or Roy pitches to Grant, and then like uh, Grant does what I didn't want to do to you when you were pitching, Jeremy. He hits a screamer right <laughs> back at, at Roy and hits him right in the face, and Roy ends up in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, so I mean, Grant, Roy is in full meltdown at this point because the bat is stolen. He actually says like. He, he was not there, and so he walks up, and they're like, the bat was stolen, and, and he actually says, like, how the fuck? Like, which I wrote that down. Um, but uh, so um, he's melting down. He's yelling at Grant. He's like, no, we're finishing this game right now. And he's like, for 10 outs, 10 pitches, uh, you know, whatever, like the most hits wins the bat. And Grant is like, no, man, like, like just settle down. And he, like, throws a bat. At, he throws a ball at Grant and, um, you know, almost hits him. And he's like, that's pitch one. And he throws another one. He's like, that's pitch two. And Grant starts get gets mad now. He's like, hey, if you throw another ball ball at me, and then uh, he's like, all right, fine. And he like tries to he he grabs the bat, and then on the third pitch, he lines it right back, hits Grant or hits a uh, Roy in the eye, um, <laughs> and knocks him down. So then it cuts, and then I think I think then it cuts to the hospital. It does. Um, it does. And, so yeah. Uh, it, they're in the hospital and they're in the emergency room. So it turns out that Roy is okay. He just has like a, a minor broken bone in his, well, his face. Okay, hold on, because he 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 comes in and he's like Grant comes in. And he's like, oh god, I'm so sorry. And like she's like, he's gonna be fine. And she's like, he only has a minor orbital bone fracture. And I'm like that that I'm like my I, my note is minor orbital bone fracture equals fine. Like that sounds pretty bad. I mean like he didn't lose his eye. He didn't go blind. But, like, he broke his eye bone. Like, it's like, that's not fine. Um, and he had to wear a patch, like, like yep. we'll see, like, in the in the following scenes. But it's like, I guess he's fine. But that I wouldn't if, – if I got hit in the eye – if you hit me in the eye and then, like, you, you saw – you talked to my wife later and, and she said I was fine, I would be pissed. I'd be like, I'm not fine. My <laughs> eye is broken. Like my yeah, if, if you were wearing broken. an eye patch at your wedding, Jeremy, yeah. I don't – I don't think you would have been too happy about it. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't categorize myself as fine. Anyway. <laughs> um, so we're getting towards the the end of the movie here. So the game has been played, uh, and now there's just kind of falling, some falling action, um, sort yeah. of. I don't know if you could call it falling action, but after the hospital scene, we have a scene with Grant and Rachel um, yeah. at like a cafe, and it, eventually Grant is talking to Rachel, and Rachel <sighs> just seems kind of distant. So yeah. Grant realizes that he's like you know i gotta i gotta man up now and he finally yeah. asks rachel to marry him uh in late june which is I, I, they don't really establish when it is but you assume it's a month or two from now so sure. you get the scene where grant finally like sets a date for their wedding yeah i will say that like so so rachel's talking about how she's gonna step back and like let grant just come to the marriage thing on her own and she's not gonna push him along but she does say at some point she's like all i ever wanted to do was marry you <laughs> yeah she says she or says get, or get married all, all, she's, she's like, like all i ever wanted to uh and like to do was marry my fiance it's like yeah well, you are a fucking lawyer so like you did have other there were yes. other things that you wanted to do with your life you went to law school you memorized that you read all those books you passed the bar but like all you want to do is marry this this low low level memorabilia flipper okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh and, and i'll say this this was a note that I actually passed up in my in my notes but i i will say kudos to uh jake lloyd bacon for writing so many scenes where they're kissing because like yeah like you know this this the rachel uh the actress is 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 
I would say higher on the scale of attractiveness than than Jake Lloyd Bacon is. You know, no no shade to 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 Mr. Uh, Jake, but like, and you know, she's better looking than he is. And he wrote a lot of scenes in there where they're like kissing and stuff, and she's doting on him again. And so, I mean, kudos to him for for you know making that happen for himself. I yeah, guess. hey, it, it's it's like uh, it's like Tony Soprano says to Christopher about uh, about Christopher's girlfriend Adriana. He goes, "She's a ten. You're a four. At best. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah. yeah. And like, like you said, no, no offense to uh, uh, Jake Lloyd Bacon there, but no, but yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. He kudos to him with us. <laughs> for making that happen. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so, so that, that's been taken care of. And now, uh, now we go to the uh, uh, Roy's home. And uh, so it turns out, Jeremy, that uh, the boys, they've decided to start a weekly game. Uh, Hank has um you know joined them and it also turns out so so grant goes to roy's house to kind of try to make amends and uh say like what's up you want to play with us but they also reveal here that the bat that those two were going after was just a fake a fake autograph uh that was like you know the the autograph on the bat was fake and it was given away as part of like a a a giveaway like a game day giveaway or something like that yeah i read it as like a gas station giveaway or something like they like yeah. in Chicago yeah. there was like I remember like a gas station around here gave away like a Walter Payton mug and like a piece of the AstroTurf from Soldier Field sure um like Shell gas stations did uh which is pretty cool actually um but uh but yeah like it was a facsimile autograph on the bat which which does happen I just wrote down facsimile signature bat equals rookie mistake like oh I'm yeah like, yeah, and so like yeah, so they saw this. They thought it was real. They both thought it was real. The old lady portrayed it to be real. She, I think she had to have known that it was fake. So, so my next note after that is, I was right. Old lady is an asshole. So, yes. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. First, so first of all, yeah, like if she didn't know it was fake, her nephew who like put the thing online definitely probably knew that it was fake. But yeah. like you said, Jeremy, rookie mistake. Grant is a memorabilia dealer. He owns yes. a he owns a business. Yeah, if he, he got cards and everything. Yeah, if he would have bought this bat and then tried to flip it to somebody for like a good like he's like oh yeah I think we can make a good profit on this. If he would have sold that to some guy for a couple hundred dollars and then like it turned out that the the guy the customer found out that it was fake, like Grant would be Grant would be out of business. Yes, yeah, for for real, yeah, he would lose all credibility as a memorabilia dealer. Yes, uh, I I imagine that's uh, you know a small circle that that those guys run in. So like you know they would he would be fucking buried. So like he's he's yeah. actually lucky that he didn't get the bat and try to sell it because he would have been screwed. That would have been been the end of their business. Um, For sure. And so so yeah they uh, they they find out that the bat is fake and Grant says hey do you want to come play with us? We're making it a weekly thing. And then Roy is kind of like uh, he's like nah nah I don't think so. Um, you know, and then, so then Roy kind of goes back in his house and then you see a scene. This is kind of the last scene of the movie where, uh, Roy is like in his basement and he's just kind of sitting there. And then like his wife comes down and is like, Roy, like you got to like get over this, et cetera, et cetera. And then like Roy just kind of like she leaves and then Roy just kind of sits there. And then, so he's got, he's in his man cave. He's downstairs. He's in his bar, his man cave where he's got all his, his Norman cash memorabilia. And then. He takes all of the memorabilia down and puts it in a box. And I was like, dude, that's like cool stuff. Don't take that down. What are you yes. doing? What are you doing? Like, you know, you don't have to you can leave it up there. That's, you know, I, I okay, so it reminds you of your of your dead father, 
But like, leave it up there, man. It's cool stuff. Like, what are you doing putting it in a box? Yeah, no, for real. Yeah, so like, yeah, he 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 puts it all away. Like, she's like, you know, it's time to like let it go. She does say like, what happens when there's nothing left to collect? Which again, chilled me a little bit uh, to hear. Um, <laughs> but uh, but like, yeah, she. Oh, sorry. She's she does say like. Um, uh, she kind of essentially says like it's all worthless like or he says it like something i i can't remember exactly how it goes but like the consensus there is like they they both agree that all of this stuff is worthless um which is like it's not worthless like <laughs> even even if even if norm cash is like in norm cash in like real life it's still cool stuff it's still worth money he could definitely sell it i mean maybe he is going to sell it uh, but like i wrote my other note i wrote down here is like uh, he doesn't seem to have that big of a problem. Like it wasn't that much stuff <laughs> no, and like, man. and it wasn't stuff that he had to put away. It's like, and also like there was no need for him to like get rid of it. Like it was symbolic, but like he, like he could have maybe just stopped. Maybe it's healthier for him to get rid of it and out of sight, out of mind or something. But it's like, yeah, he didn't have a, he didn't have that big of a problem. And it seems like he kind of got to the point like emotionally that he needed to, um, but yeah, so I guess he needed to get rid of it for that. But like, yeah, but like it was, it was, it was a sad, I felt like the movie told us like, like the message was don't collect memorabilia, like, <laughs> like, like don't buy stuff that you like because it, it doesn't mean what you hope it means or it, it'll never mean what you hope it does. And it's like, I don't know if that's the message that, that we want to be sending. Like, um, uh, it was just like, yeah, it was kind of sad a little bit, like, like, for him to just like kind of ditch all that stuff um so so yeah i don't know yeah uh so yeah that that was kind of a downer um and at, but th the end of the movie though uh you see grant getting a, a phone call and uh you know i'm sure it's i'm sure it's roy i mean you know it, it, it could just be somebody calling calling about a piece of memorabilia but we assume that it's right, roy right, yeah. that's calling grant and like they're gonna um you know they're gonna be friends going forward yeah. this bat this bat has brought them together and it's giving both their lives uh, it's given both their lives a little bit more meaning so uh so that was the end and then we got the credits he, he was getting a call about a jim gantner bat or something or a pete inclavelia <laughs> bat or something um but uh but yeah so like yeah i mean and a couple yeah the the uh, yeah the it um it gets a call then it cuts to like the game they're they're playing it says a few weeks later they're playing the game and yeah like roy's there and uh everyone's cool with each other uh was hank there too i can't remember yeah, Hank, well, Hank is the one who like uh, he actually oh, got right. Roy another copy of the bat. That's uh, right. That's so yeah, Hank. Yeah, Hank is right. Hank is all in on this, and then so uh, so at the end you get like you know the story about Norman Cash is that uh, in the 1973 season Nolan Ryan was throwing a no hitter and like Norman Cash was the last guy to come up in the ninth inning. Um, I think I think that he was the last guy, and he, he came up to bat with a table leg. Um, and so I yeah. wonder if that story is true. It probably I guess it probably is. Yeah, I don't know if you want to look that up really quick, Jack. I, yeah. I had a couple more observations. Is like, um, yeah, like I forgot that's yeah. So so when when Grant does show him the bat, he's like, um, yeah. Not only was this real, but there's there's literally thousands of them out there. And Hank had like three extra or something, and he gave us one, um, which is kind of funny. Um, so uh, so there's that. It's also funny too. Like there's a funny scene where they they show up to go pick up Roy. And, um, uh, Teague is in the car or maybe it's not Teague. Maybe it's the, um, maybe it's the creepy guy. I can't remember, but one of them is in the car with, with Hank and Hank like makes fun of him. And then like 
the guy goes into the other car with Grant and he's like, I don't want to ride with Hank anymore. He makes fun of me, <laughs> which I thought that was kind of a funny joke. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah. And then like, yeah, I, I was also, my other observation was like Roy probably still could have come with them even though he had the eye patch. Like, I think the, the point was he was kind of saying like, or like Grant says, Hey, when your eye gets better, you know, you can come play with us. And it's like, well, he still could have came and hung out, you know, on the bench or whatever and, and fucked around with, with, with the guys and just not gotten in the box or something. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so anyway, and then like the one other thing about the, the, the movie, uh, so yeah, so it, it wraps up and it's, it's a happy ending and everything. Um, uh, you know, I, Roy will never touch another piece of memorabilia again because it's evil, I guess. Uh, and it has to be put into a box. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there was, there was a very odd presence of like this, like really, like really like emo music, like, and not like, not like kind of like modern day emo which like you know is like uh fallout boy or something this was like really like kind of like hardcore like early 2000s like late like like 90s early 2000s emo that was like i i know no one is gonna pre- there might be like two people that listen to us who would who can get what i'm talking about but this was like some like braid promise ring uh type of like emo and i was like this definitely does not equal baseball to me. Um, but I assumed it was like, <laughs> I assumed like it was a friend of like Jake Lloyd Bacon or something. And he, you know, they got the rights to use the music, which is totally fine. But um, it, uh, it didn't, um, it, it, it was, it was definitely like a throwback, especially e- even a movie that was made like four years ago or whatever. It, it was already like, I would say about 14 years um, kind of in this, like in the past, um, one thing that I saw in the credits, Jack, I don't know if you saw this, but like it said, like nobody was harmed. Uh, no animals were harmed during the making of this film or something, yeah. except for Jake who broke a collarbone. Jesus. I didn't you see didn't... that. So the guy must've broken his collarbone. Yeah. I don't know in what scene that would have happened, but, um, yeah, like he broke his collarbone. I mean, maybe they were, maybe during the baseball scene, like there was a scene where they collided or he slid or something. And yeah, so that's pretty brutal. Um, and, uh, the other thing was I, I, the whole time I was thinking like, wasn't the kid from, uh, the kid who played a young, uh, Darth Vader, wasn't his name Jake Lloyd? His name was Jake Lloyd. So I, and I think this guy, Jake Lloyd Bacon had been credited. Like I I looked on IMDb, uh, he had been credited as Jake Lloyd and what I'm assuming were non SAG productions, but since Mm -hmm. this was SAG, he probably had to like add bacon to his name. So I wonder if his name is actually bacon. Like it, like his last name, or if that's just like a mother's maiden name or something. Mother's like maiden that. name, yeah. a joke on Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Um. You know, there's no, there's no telling, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would assume that like the, the Jake Lloyd thing, like that was, uh, that might have been a sag, a sag issue, which is why he, you know, maybe Bacon got added. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds about right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's the movie Pinch. Um, Jack title pinch yeah i i don't get it jeremy why did they call it pinch i don't know i don't know because even like so we (laughs) we we talked about this like a week ago and i kind of had like not you know looked into it uh until i did watch this movie today right before we recorded um i kind of forgot what the name of it was and i'm like was it pinch i'm like no that doesn't make sense what like pinch like and then when you watch the movie like i'm like where did the like pinch come from like in in the uh mon in the opening montage they show a sign that says like that has the word pinch on it. Like it'll do in a pinch. Like, and it was like an ad, I, I assume it had Norm cash on it. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it has something to do with Norm Cash. I don't know. That wasn't his nickname or anything. So no, I'm not sure. Was, uh, he, was he pinch hitting in that game against Nolan Ryan? I you know I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but they I don't, don't really say that, and that would be kind of a that would be kind of a stretch. Um, yeah. Maybe it's like the movie how the movie Sorcerer by William Friedkin is is called Sorcerer, even though it has nothing to to do with magic or sorcerers. Um, you know, hey, maybe that's like it. Maybe it's something like that where it's just like, yeah, let's just call it this. Um, but yeah, I was definitely thinking pinch hitter, uh, but that doesn't make sense because the movie isn't really about a pinch hitter at all. So uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't, Jeremy. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I, I don't really, uh, you know, I can't say I really like the title. I don't. I don't know what else they would have would have called it. But uh, you know, uh, yeah, not, definitely not pinch for sure. No, yeah, I, that was that was weird to me. Um, but uh, overall, Jack, I mean, you know, I don't know, like. Um, <clears throat> I think like, you know, we're not, we're, we're, we're number one, we're, we're assholes. Um, so we're, we, 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 we torch a lot of things. Uh, um, so, you know, there's always a thing like, you know, showing a baseball movie to like a real baseball freak, like, like us, like, you know, there's going to be things that, that we, we kind of like, you know, we'll can point out or something. I mean, overall, I think like, Honestly, I thought the movie was was totally fine. Like um it had some good moments, it had some heartfelt moments. I think like I think the storylines weren't like weren't uh like uh too like you know forced or anything like the story about like his him uh being tied to the dad. The one thing though Jack really quick is like we we overlooked it even now like we didn't really talk about like how the dad died, like or like or like about the fact that the dad was dead. Like they 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 do talk about the dad throughout the movie and like they I think that they kind of set it up to be like a reveal at the end that the dad has been dead the whole time, even though like Roy is keeps saying like he wants to get the bat so he can show his dad or bring it to his dad. And um, he says like, my dad's just up the street or whatever. Um, but he turns out he's dead. And like Grant does find that out later on in the movie. But like, even in our recap, we kind of overlooked it. Um, but uh, you know, so that connection there, obviously like, obviously son dad baseball is like you know the the trilogy or like you know field of dreams uh our pilot you know like these things like like it's a you know it's a tale as old as time kind of thing so like i think you know they do a good job there i think the the fact that they they make it about like playing this pickup game uh is is a a leap at first but i guess that they use it as a vehicle to like build like friendship and like talk about like the friendship surrounding baseball basically. So I thought that was like, you know, that I think that the, the concept was hard to, to buy in at first, but I guess it was successful ultimately like in that message. Yeah. And, um, I'll say this, Jeremy, I, I, I would agree. I would agree with you about the, um, you know, the, the thing with, uh, fathers and sons, um, and it was, yeah, it like the, you, you just kind of had to suspend your disbelief, both for like the fact that a Norman cash, uh, baseball right. bat would be super valuable, but also the fact that these guys are able to get together, not one weekend, but two weekends, uh, having no plan, <laughs> no, all of these adults having no plans at all. And they just play baseball and it's, <laughs> right. and it's fine. And, and none of them are particularly bad at it either. Um, you know, Hey, I, I'm not, I wasn't a terrible baseball player, but I, I did not do well at the plate the day that I, <laughs> that I faced you. Um, well, but yeah, 
Uh, the, but the, yeah, the improvement, the improvement of of uh, Roy's team from week one to week two was kind of a hard uh, sell, yeah. or a hard buy, I would say a little bit. But um, I even even the fact that like they got you saying calling him Norm Norman Cashjack like I, is is pissing me off because like again like I feel like the few times I've heard his name like it's just Norm Cash and like they called him Norman cash a lot i'm like i don't think like he's on baseball references norm cash like i, I don't know like that part yeah. kind of the whole thing surrounding norman cash was like it it that was odd because like it didn't need to be a real player they didn't really it, ex- it didn't ex- and it, it almost yeah. i mean yeah jeremy without because I, I had uh uh you know this is obviously he's like uh you know john Montefusco or something where it's like he was maybe <laughs> kind of maybe kind of like a famous name in the day but um, yeah, I mean, not being a, not being from Detroit, uh, I had never heard of Norman Cash, and he, you know, he played 17 years in the big leagues. Ah, there um, again, Norman Cash. Ah. There, you, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Norm, Norm Cash. So yeah, his, <laughs> uh, his, yeah, his estate might be kind of pissed off at this movie. I don't know. Um, but they, they did do a good job of like picking a, a relatively obscure baseball player yeah. who uh, was 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 good. Um, you know, was like good enough to make a couple All Star teams and like kind of make a dent in like the overall uh, history of baseball. It, it was a cool like, uh, yeah. I think maybe you were gonna, about to say it, Jack, but like using the real player and picking Norman Cash was almost distracting in a way. Uh, yes. because like it was like because they don't like honestly like for a couple guys like us like to pick a guy who is kind of like he's not really a fringe guy, but in the terms of like baseball greats he's definitely a fringe guy let's so like let's put it under that uh scope but like that is cool to pick like kind of like a fringe guy but like it's also unclear like why they it's just i wish they explained why they picked norm cash because like i i looked up the actors like jake lloyd bacon this is they say is from long island and he lives in la the other uh, guy the guy who played roy is from wisconsin and so it's like I don't think either one of them brought this Norm Cash thing to the to the table. Like maybe Jake Lloyd Bacon's dad was from Detroit or something, but they don't really talk about that. So like I, that that part is just leaving me with so many questions that it's like I'm almost like maybe they should have just created like a fake guy or something. Because, yeah, cr- either yeah. created a fake guy or just made it like Willie Mays or something. Right. I think exactly. I would, I would exactly. have an easier time accepting that like you know two dudes would just be willing to pay uh, six hundred bucks for Willie Mays autograph bat sight unseen. Yeah. Um, uh, than than that. So yeah, that that was definitely a little bit uh, a little bit distracting. Um, also, like you said, a little bit cool because like it's you know maybe something that uh, that we would do. But yeah. um, I'll say this, Jeremy. If nothing else, like I, I'm sure this movie hit the festival circuit, and you know we've been to festivals before. You know you see you see some of the movies that air at like festivals, and and if nothing else, like this movie had a a, a clear story with like clear characters and and motivations. Um, and you know, like I'll, you know, whatever else could be said about like our pilot, if we want to like kind of get back to that to wrap this up, it's like, uh, you know, what, there are things that, you know, maybe structurally, I wish I would have changed about some of the Mm -hmm. scenes I wrote, or maybe would have wished it could have, uh, leaned into the comedy a little bit more to make it a little funnier or whatever. But I'll Mm -hmm. say like one thing I think that our pilot accomplished was like, you know, it at least had like a, a clear, um, like clear characters and like a clear idea of who everyone was and like what was going on in the pilot and like what the plot was and the story was, which I think yeah. is like the number one thing you should be concerned about if you're a writer. And yeah. this movie Pinch, like it did that. Like I was never like, even though there were some like things I had questions about regarding the plot, like 
I never really lost track of what was going on. It was easy no. to follow, and it was only 90 minutes. It didn't it didn't overstay its welcome. So, no. um, you know, in that respect, like I enjoyed it, and like props to uh, props to the director, um, you know, for getting this movie made, um, and like the performances too. I thought were pretty good for like yeah. you know for for people who aren't famous actors. Like they the they got good actors too. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, the only thing that I would say is like, yeah, you know, I guess I wish someone would have given that that note about the female characters, but um, yes, they're certainly not the only people that do that. There's movies that are probably in the top ten grossing movies of all time uh, that that also, you know, are guilty of failing the Bechdel test. Um, so so yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, hey, uh, you know, baseball season's uh, starting up. We watched a baseball movie. Uh, you know, things aren't too bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, well, Jeremy, we'll be back with another episode next week, but I think we should uh, we should wrap this one up because we've probably overstayed our welcome for this one. So <laughs> yeah. uh, for Rain Delay Theater, I'm Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. We'll see you next week.